So, welcome again to the Coffee and Heroes podcast, um, going on to our review show. Anyone who's followed the podcast knows we like to keep our spoilers to a minimum. When we talk about comics, we like to give people a good opportunity, give them a good bit of time to get caught up on their pull list, caught up on titles before we discuss them, for fear of spoilers. So, uh, obviously we're recording this towards the end of May, but this is actually our review show for books released in April. Um, so it does uh, mean that we do have to go back and remind ourselves sometimes. Mm-hmm. And this will be spoilerific. This as will usual. be spoilerific. So. Um, the voice you hear, as always, joined by Keith, and also to my left for a change hey. instead of across the table. Yeah, I'm Roddy. I'm feeling the love tonight. <laughs> How are you, gentlemen? <laughs> very, very good. Yeah. yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Can't complain. You know, it's uh, you know, in terms of the store, uh, we're very fortunate to be coming up to our two-year anniversary. Uh, which is going to be on Saturday, the first of June, or as Roddy calls it, Champions League Day. <laughs> Roddy, <laughs> is that, is that a football reference? Shrewsbury Day as well, <laughs> or Shrewsbury? Shrewsbury. I will Shrewsbury. be at Comic Salupia if, uh, by the off chance, anyone is going to be there. Oh, come, okay. Come see me. I have a table there, so looking forward to it. Lovely, lovely. So I'm sorry, sorry to say, I'm going to miss. So see you. You know, I, I had a throne ready in the <laughs> store for you. I was going to make you my guest of honor, but save you know, cake for me. but apparently I have to save cake. So yeah, there will be cake on the day. Um, we're working at the moment on a few uh, promotions we're going to do in the day. Um, just hopefully everyone will call in, and say hi. Um, as I say, two years open, which is you know quite an achievement so Elm Street well yeah. done yeah. congratulations you know yeah. couldn't have done it without the support of you know everybody um, you know the, the store had you know it, it exists primarily as a place for people just to you know meet other people with similar interests chill out chat shit about comics movies and drink coffee all things nerd and drink yep. coffee all things nerd exactly so um, so yeah we're good we're as I say gearing up for that we just had a good free comic book day oh yeah um, how did that go for you I wouldn't know. I wasn't there. <laughs> um, yeah, it was. Uh, it turned out to be our busiest day in terms of people through the door, in terms of takings. Ever since we opened the doors, um, I don't want to put that down to you know, just to Keith, but you know, yeah. I knew the place was in safe hands. Well, it was a, a pleasure to look after it for you. I know that. Um, I know that it's your. I mean, it's your baby. Yeah. So it was. Uh, it was an honour to be able to to look after it for you. Um, it was free comic book day and it was uh, Star Wars day, uh, so I maybe had a wee bit of an edge there. Yeah. Uh, but I definitely was not expecting whenever I came down to open the store at nine o'clock for there still to be people waiting outside the door to get in. <laughs> Wouldn't even let me turn on the lights yeah. before they get in. I was like, health and safety, let me put the lights on, you know? So never mind figuring out how to use the till and, you know? So there was a few panic phone calls to Alan who was at a wedding in England at the time. Uh, but we, I think we settled out. I had Roddy's help, I had Kieran's help, but a, you know, a few other folks uh, popped in to, to, to lend a hand, and uh, yeah, it was a good day. It was a good day. You really sort of see the you really see the community aspect from that that side of the the, the you know the desk. You know, yeah. So. yeah. Well, that's it. You know, and anyone I chatted to, you know, said they really enjoyed the day. Got a lot out of it. Um, so yeah, that was a great day for us. And then gearing up for a really busy one next week. Uh, a lot of big titles. There's finally a new issue of Doomsday Clock coming next week. Um, I've put that on tape, which may have been a mistake, just in case it doesn't <laughs> yeah, come out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah, I'm all good. Um, cool. How about yourselves? Yeah, yeah, good. Um, there's been some some great stuff uh, out over the past couple of months. Uh, I, as you know, over the past few days, have uh, have really got into Brian K. Vaughan's saga. Uh, which uh, Alan was kind enough to to give me the two 
compendiums as a as a as a, a gift to, to for looking after the store. And you guys have been talking about Saga since I mean it was the first, first the comic. first the first comic I bought yeah. off you was the first six issues, so it was six issues in I enjoyed it, but I've waited this long to get any further, but I've devoured thirty six issues inside like three days. Um such a great such a great book. Um, my my favourite aspect of this story is actually that Keith has since admitted to me that he bought the first trade almost out of guilt. Yeah, absolutely. We've been standing chatting for about forty minutes, he had had a wee cough and he was like Jeez, I should really buy something. You know what? Even after getting coffee too, you know that's it. So beginning of a beautiful friendship over coffee and saga. But now I'm really glad you enjoyed it. Obviously, Vic and I talk about it all the time. Recommended to people. Great starting point. Um, And I've no doubt it'll be in a future review show when it comes back. Yeah. So and possibly a future uh, book club. Definitely, definitely. Um, Delve a bit deeper into it. We have, uh, I guess, somewhere on your. on your uh, your list on your 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 pod kicker or your iTunes there's going to be a Mr. Miracle book review show Mr. Or Mr. Miracle on there yeah we just yeah. went through that a couple of weeks ago we've got Secret Wars coming up soon um, and then we've uh, a few more ideas in the pipeline for what we'll yeah. be doing so stay tuned for that reviews are plenty reviews yeah. are plenty um, speaking of reviews um, let's go through April's books perfect um, yeah tons of stuff to enjoy here um, I wrote the thing with this what we always want to do is never be repeating ourselves too much so we never want to just say every month this title is amazing this title is amazing so we want to have a bit of variety with what we talk about and also that was a good point that Keith made I mean we obviously we love comics we love the medium we have great respect for all the guys involved in it but not everything is amazing you know but I think to this point in the reviews podcast it almost sounds like everything is amazing mm. Um, I'm not going to burst into a song of everything is awesome. Um, we'll, we'll wait for those new mics for that. Uh, so there might be a couple of ones we discussed this month that um, maybe weren't quite to our taste or highs and lows. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. You know, it's um, I personally think it just all comes from Keith's uh, relationship with a certain DC title, which we'll get into later <laughs> uh, in terms of ups and downs, but. Um, we'll start off with DC anyway. I thought one of the biggest titles of the month and one that I thought really delivered was Heroes in Crisis number eight. Um, anyone I talk to about Heroes in Crisis, I tend to say the same thing. I've enjoyed it. It has been a bit of a slow burn. I do think it maybe should have stuck to its original seven issue format instead of yeah. possibly being stretched to nine plus four times. And the, the reason for the, the stretch to nine was... They, they had two specials planned, isn't yeah, that right? Yeah, there was going to be two on showing for Harley and one, one for, for Booster, Booster. Yeah. Which but they, they just integrated yeah. it into the main continuity, or of, of the main numbering, I should say. And whenever you know that, you can you can pick them out. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. But this was the one that you, you finally are starting to get some answers, you know, who was responsible for what happened at Sanctuary, um, the reasons behind that. Um, it is a bit of a shame Kieran couldn't be with us t- uh, today because he actually called this a few months ago. Which I think is quite remarkable, but I mean, flicking through the the issue as well, it's interesting because it's something Roddy had noted just before we uh, started recording. But Heroes in Crisis, like a lot of Tom King books, usually adhere to the nine panel structure. Yeah. Um, we discussed it quite extensively on Mister Miracle. You see it even in his Batman run. You see it in Heroes in Crisis, but this book actually doesn't have one page of nine panel structure yeah very strange yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of threes and some uh, yeah. there's 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 a couple a of double page spreads and there's a lot of lovely symmetry to his books which I really like especially this one three 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 and then yeah the yeah, there's even a there's four and a four. four and a four 
Yeah, it's um, um, they usually reserve the nine panels for the confessions. Yeah, but this one, uh, like Wally, it's three. Yeah. So, like it, it's really one of like the fav- my favorite issue of Fears and Crisis so far. Definitely just kicked it up a notch, and we should say Mitch Gerards did most of it. But then yeah. um, there's another artist that did a couple of pages at the start. It's like um, sanctuary kind of thing. Can't remember his name. Uh, Travis Moore. Travis Moore, that's the one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, fantastic. They finally sort of delivered for me, and it's a gorgeous looking book. It's fantastic, and it's it's very uh, Wally centric. Yeah, uh, it's just entirely his confession, isn't it? <clears throat> yeah, it's almost like they remembered that Wally was a massive part of Rebirth. <laughs> Wally was, was the, <laughs> the key. Wally's the key for Rebirth, yeah. which is you know is kind of interesting. Um, whenever you say Kieran called it, what do you mean? He had talked about how he thought Wally was going to be revealed as the killer. That there was going to be time travel aspects to it as well. Um, so it was it was just sort of that that you know that it, there was going to be something happened that broke Wally and you know he was going to snap and it was going to be all his fault. Um, so I mean Wally obviously uh, came back at the start of Rebirth. Um, he a member of the Titans, um, you know, but he he's lost his family. Yeah. His, his wife doesn't remember him this is all to do with the new, the new 52 and 52 and all that yeah. sort of stuff his wife doesn't remember him his kids have disappeared um, he's a man alone uh, people don't remember him you mm-hmm. know for the most part you know uh, Barry did but yeah. you know he was sort uh, of the exception to the rule yeah exactly he's a man he's a man out of time a man from another another a pre, pre-crisis reality mm-hmm. I guess not that I particularly understand the way that DC Universe pre-flashpoint reality was yeah. that it um, and he's been under a lot of he's been under a lot of pressure, and that I guess that has been addressed in the Flash books through Flash War, yeah. and, uh, and eventually Wally was sent to the Sanctuary, and that was one of the first mentions of the Sanctuary, which of course is the key to yeah. uh, to Heroes in Crisis. Um, so what what's the what's the outline of this issue then? Well, essentially, as as Roddy put it, there it was. Um there's been a lot of conjecture to this point. There's been a lot of he said, she said, but this was the definitive um, outcome for this story in terms of who was responsible for the massacre. You know, this is um, the whole issue is essentially just Wally's confession. Um, he talks about how he did it. He talks about why he did it. Um, so it's you know it focuses a lot on his loneliness and as as you were saying about you know not having his family there, them not remembering him and so forth. Um, so he, he just said essentially it all broke him in the end and he lost control of the speed force <clears throat> he did um, which is beautifully illustrated as you were saying like this great two page um, splash page um, and it's, it's great because that's all of the characters that have been variously interviewed yep you know all there in one space and he, he even talks about how he was able to make Harley think that Booster did it and how and Booster, to make Booster yeah, think that Harley, Harley did, did it, it yeah. you know so it's uh, yeah I thought it was a great issue I'm looking forward to seeing the fallout to that you know issue the last issue of an event like this always tends to be the epilogue you know the wrapping up issue so to speak mm-hmm. the second last issue always tends to be the big revelations yeah um, so I'm really looking forward to um, seeing how this is going to be wrapped up so, so tell me what's the significance of is that 
Poison Ivy? Is that a version of Poison Ivy that yeah. has been on the scene there? With the, and and what, what's the significance of the flyer that appeared last issue? There's a whole lot of things still... There's a lot of things that I feel you're going to need a second reading for because I've, I've always said this with King's work. It, it works best when it's condensed into one place because there's a lot to digest with it. So when issue 9 hits, I'm actually going to read 1 to 8 straight through again to get a really good flow of it and uh, bring me up to it. Yeah. So, um, because there are a few hanging threads that you know, I, w- I would like to see explored. You know, so I mean, I I really enjoyed this issue. Thought it was great. Uh, I feel it should have been issue four. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think everyone does. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and possibly Heroes in Crisis should have been a five issue instead of a nine issue. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's there's been a lot of messing about. To my mind, there's been a lot of stuff that. It's just uh, dallying about the play. It's not a tight series, mm-hmm, yeah. you know. May- maybe in, in second reading, as you say, whenever it might look tighter, but re- it, there seems to be a lot of dallying about the place. Yeah, um, which I wasn't a big fan of, um, and a, I, in a very literal sense, lost the plot uh, a bit um, with it. Uh, I'm interested to see where it's going. Wally's one of my favourite uh, characters. I my the DC characters I tend to prefer are the the next generation characters mm-hmm. the Titans the Teen Titans the original mm-hmm. Teen Titans so Dick Grayson Wally West you know I would you know or, or would be the but I have a feeling that they're setting and I think we've, we've talked about this I have a feeling they're setting Wally up to be the big bad in the DC universe for the next couple of years mm-hmm. I think uh, there's been some hints in Joshua Williamson's Flash mm-hmm. uh, and a few other things that have been said in various places but uh, yeah, I think I think they're setting Wally up to have a have a fall, not unlike um, Green Lantern Parallax. You yeah. know, I think that's where we're going with this, maybe possibly yeah. as a result of his post traumatic stress and his mental health, mental ill health, and uh, and that. So, well, I guess as we said before, um, anytime crisis is mentioned in a title, it's going to have big. And I don't think these are going to be spending. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't think the crisis referred to in this. I think this this is a personal crisis rather than a cosmic crisis. Yeah, yeah. Um, or but, is it? Is that what they want you to do? Well, yeah, I don't know, but uh, it'll I be. I kind of think yeah. they want to have a low key until you have number nine when everything just goes I, up in the air. I still, I think it's, I think it's Wally's journey. I think it's Wally's yeah. journey from being at the start of rebirth, the hope, the mm-hmm. hope of rebirth. The uh, you know the. You know the hope that they could get back there the five years that were lost that dr manhattan has possibly taken mm-hmm. you know the relationships that were <clears throat> that were burned you know that were taken away such as wally's relationship yeah. with his you know um with his family uh and that cover sort of shows that with the family on the, the front cover yeah, it's a love love yeah it really is um but you know i think that's this is the journey from what wally was supposed to be the hope of rebirth yeah, was it rebirth? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, well, he's supposed to, do it and he's going to end up being, being the big bad. Uh, well, what's interesting is that, you know, we're recording this on the uh, the twenty third, and on the 29th of this month, here was in Crisis Nine comes out. Originally, it was scheduled to come out the twenty second, but it's now being released on the same day as Doomsday Clock Ten. Finally, and apparently, there's big revelations in both issues that are going to affect the whole DC universe. So talking about obviously Dr. Manhattan's you know his involvement with the new 52 stuff the end of Heroes in Crisis with Wally there's a part of me that wonders if this is another instance of DC slightly shooting themselves in the foot because 
with Doomsday Clock, it's been so frustrating waiting for it. And I almost wonder if they, they had to hold back issue 10 until Heroes in Crisis wasn't concluded. Mm. If these two are going to affect each other. So you're wondering why it stretched from 7 to 9. And I don't know, it's just it's just a wee bit of a theory. I wonder if this is why Doomsday's been held back a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. I hope it's not yeah, just, it's not think, just studio interference. Yeah. It's, you know, that would be nice to, to hope that they have that plan. Yeah. Or that, but... I mean, I don't know if I'm giving too much. I don't see it myself. No, I mean the. Oh, you have little faith. With without without being you know without descending into Marvel versus DC or any of that, they've got a fairly long history of screwing themselves out of their own success. Mm. You know what I mean? And uh, I mean, even even as recently as the the recent rumours yeah. regarding Heroes in Crisis's author. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, you, none, you of don't them, hear, none, of, none of them substantiated yet. You do want to hear me cry on the podcast. <laughs> we, we don't need to address that right now. Yeah, well, I guess we'll, we'll find but, out over the yeah, next few I mean, days. I, I do hope that in a weird way, as much as it's been a long, tortured journey to get to this moment, I kind of hope these two issues together sort of answer a hell of a lot of questions and yeah. do yeah. tie together because I know you've said yourself with Doomsday Clock, you're still not sure how it's tied to the major DC universe. I don't know. I don't know what's. I'm still not sure what's going yeah, on. And we're three quarters of the way through it. So. You know, and you know, there's just there's, we've said it before. There's just some squiffy stuff going on. I think in the upper echelons of DC, mm. and I think that ties to Doomsday Clock, and it ties to maybe this the delays. You know, when here's a crisis, and it ties to maybe what's happening with Tom King, and it ties to. Um, what they're doing with you know that the, the nonsense that's going on in Nightwing yeah. you know what I mean cancelling the awesome lucha figures the lucha wrestling <laughs> figures <laughs> Just, then you've got the, the mess that is yeah. Black Label and yeah. Batman Down yeah. and, you know it's, it's a tough time to be in these yeah. <laughs> they don't make it easy for you listen, listen to that maniacal laugh over there <laughs> come over to oh, me listen, look. come to the dark side half of my half of my pile this week is DC so this is true um but yeah, I mean, Heroes in Crisis, you know, I, I do think that, I agree with Rod, I think that was the best issue yet. Yeah, um, I agree, totally. Right. So, totally. Uh, yeah. hopefully number nine will, will live up to that as well. Absolutely. Um, another one I personally enjoyed, I thought Green Lantern, number six was fantastic. Uh, it's got a very sort of golden age feel to it. This book is just fantastic. Mm. I, I am loving it. And we, we can't quite talk about seven yet. But oh, that was brilliant. Seven that was, was fantastic. Yeah. wonderful as well. But I really like this one. It, it had a very golden age feel to it. Well, Whatever you there. get Adam Strange involved, that's exactly where you're going. Yeah, I mean, this this book just continues to delight. I think, and it's it's starting to come together what they're doing plot wise with it as well. With sort of you know Hal Jordan's undercover mission, you know they're testing his loyalties here. With you know you have to kill Adam Strange, and you know obviously they come up with a plan to work around it and so forth. Um, the universe building in this and Liam Sharp's artwork are excellent um, and yeah I, I'm really really enjoying Green Lantern and it's another one that I'm looking forward to reading in sort of one sitting um, so yeah just a wee quick shout out there for uh, Green Lantern is a maxi series right 12 issues yeah is it 12 Supposedly, issues well un un unless you know we talk to Stephen who has Liam Sharps here um, <laughs> that's right apparently he let it slip to him that it's actually 24 issues but there's still been no official announcement I mean it would be rare for Grant Morrison to stay in something like that for more than 12 issues well it? you say that he, he originally started out on Batman to do 6 issue miniseries on it and stayed on for 6 years uh, okay so Morrison can go the other way too yeah, well, fair enough um, okay. but that's probably the only example apart from his creator own stuff like Invisibles um, Doom Patrol he was on for a long mm -hmm. time but certainly in the, the last maybe 
five years, six years, more some. It's kind of funny though, because it reads like it's a long. It's going to be a long, long form. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, he's ended just some great characters, great yeah, runners, just like random yeah. side characters. You're like, please, please come back. For yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I want to see the volcano head at Green Lantern again. <laughs> Even just they try to evoke the, the the sort of golden age spirit of comics. I think with all like the catchphrases on the cover, yeah. it's like bore my par under strange skies. Power ring against blaster, a jewel to the death. You know, it's, yeah. it's just that I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it is, yeah. there's a lot of depth to it yeah. as well. I mean, I double bag and board mine, so I'm gonna shoot five here as well. And it's marooned on a vampire planet. Hal Jordan faces ultimate ordeal of endurance. Dark star at zenith, you know, and all this stuff. So, yeah, I'm really, really digging Green Lantern. Yeah, um, I have to say. Um, another one to jump on to. I mean, we nearly every month we talk about Tom Keen's Batman run. I don't want us to always sound repetitious, so I thought it would be good to look at the other main bat title with Detective. Mm. Obviously, recently had issue one thousand. You've got uh, Pete Tomasi on mm. Detective, mm-hmm. working on a bit of a mythology building with Arkham Knight. Well, that's right. I mean, I was I was on Detective uh, prior to one thousand in the the late nine hundreds, and there was some great uh, great. I can't remember who was writing it at that time. Who was it? Uh, Oh goodness! Um, I know Tomasi came on for ninety four to ninety nine. Yeah, so I guess it was you know, the, prior to that. There were some great stories with uh, Red Robin and mm-hmm. you know Batwoman and putting together that. Oh, that team. the fourth launched it. So it he was. Did. It was. Yeah. Um, and I, I jumped jumped off with whenever Tomasi came on, but I've jumped back on after one thousand. I think because I'm sort of semi interested in this Arkham Knight character who I mm-hmm. know is drawn from the computer games yeah um, isn't that right Arkham series and just uh, just sort of what's happening so we start with a with a story it's called Medieval and uh, we're introduced uh, in some very close up shots to an individual with a sword and armour um, you know and a, and a group um, of the Arkham Knights the Knights of the Sun and the Arkham Knight and uh, then we go into a, a story of all these this this mass bat day off mm-hmm. uh, across Gotham City. So uh, bats are dying all over the city, and the police are you know interested, and all the bats in the cave are dying off. And uh, so Batman sort of I guess tries to come to the that that's where his in, entry into the story starts. You know, and um, he visits uh, is it Man Bat's wife? Yeah, um, Francine. Francine, and she's just she's just batted out. And uh, there's a whole lot of there's a whole lot of good stuff going on here. There's some stuff with uh, with Damien, um, and eventually it comes down to Batman facing against the the the, the bat die offs. The the Knights of the Sun are responsible for this, and whatever plan they have has uh, has caused these bat die offs, and it ends up in a in Batman face to face with the Arkham Knight. Uh, yeah, a lot quicker than I expected. Yeah, it really started to come together, and uh, Batman was was quickly put paid to um, with the Arkham Knight standing victorious you know with his with, with, with their their foot on his throat yeah um, so so yeah um, interesting interesting story interesting art yeah a lot of big chunky characters yeah. you know big page fillers of art you know you're talking a moment ago about sort of how Tom King lays his out and it's very precise and it's very um, you know, synchronized almost as you say, but with something like this, it's it's different pretty much from page to page. Unusual um, panel sizing, 
Uh, but really beautiful. I think artwork. it's the, the panels. The panels suit what's in them. You know what yeah. I mean. So sometimes they're upwards, downwards. Sometimes they're side to side. Sometimes they're full page. Depending. Who's your artist on this? It's uh, Brad Walker, um, who I'm not familiar with. Um. So yeah, the first the first two issues of the the post one thousand were out this month. Yeah. Um. So, <clears throat> you know, issue one thousand and two, obviously. Batman ends up sort of getting the better of the Arkham Knight and and they escape and uh, you know there's there's a wee bit of something you know, there's some there's some panels that suggest that, that Batman and the Arkham Knight are two sides of the coin you know what yeah. I mean Batman armed with his batarangs and the Arkham Knight armed with their throwing stars and and, uh, and so that and, and then you know the Arkham Knight pulls a past classic Batman and drops a, like a flash grenade and disappears, you know, in the same way as Batman would drop a smoke bomb and disappears. So, they're they're clearly being set up as as two sides of the coin. But Batman's badly injured. Commissioner Gordon has to has to help him back into the Batmobile, and he returns to Alfred to be to be uh, nursed. Uh, meanwhile, then you basically then jump into a completely different sort of, as you say, side of the coin. With it, it becomes very much Damien's story for the rest. Yeah, of that's issue one thousand. That's right. Uh, Damien is, is sort of captured by the Knights of the Sun. Uh, or lets himself be captured. I'm sure he'd say. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, and and uh, he ends up face to face with the Arkham Knight, and the Arkham Knight sort of uh, offers Robin a chance to join the Knights of the Sun and, yeah. and join their mission, whatever it whatever it may be. Uh, and and reveals uh, an identity. And reveals their their identity that. That, that that Robin sees, but which which we don't see. So yeah, definitely interesting. I mean, yeah, I've took first few issues of this, so I have the. Thousand three was good as well, where you do learn the identity. We won't talk about it here because that's actually a May book, but uh, latest issues out this week as well. So yeah, I'm, I'm digging it. I mean, I I've never really been a detective comics kind of guy. There's the odd run here and there I've enjoyed. Um, Schneider started out on detective comics, great run called the Black Mirror, which I'm I'm fortunate enough to own all of. But yeah, I'm really interested in detective again. The feels different to King's Batman, which I also like. Yeah, you know it's. It's a wee bit more four color. It's a wee bit more yeah, uh, it's Saturday morning serial that sort of style right. almost. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, so it's it's nice to have that as a counterpoint as well. For sure, um, in the same way as Amazing and Friendly Neighborhood, or yeah, you know, yeah, it's a good shout. Um, and then just one last one. I'll just throw a quick spotlight on. There's a couple more Keith wants to sort of chat about quickly, but there's a great wee series at the moment. I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying called Female Furies. Uh, this is just a six issue mini series. It is. What that refers to is the Furies, which is essentially Darkseid's female army branch, so to speak. It's run by Granny Goodness. We we covered a lot of this in uh, Mr. Miracle. But this is... It doesn't seem to be directly related to Tom King's Mr. Miracle run, but it's definitely set before it because there's seeds in this issue three showing um, Big Barda and Scott Free getting together. And All right, okay. Big Barda helps Scott Free escape Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. But this is a book, it's um, it's a couple of uh, creators that I wasn't familiar with until now. Um, Cecil Castellucci is the writer, and the illustrator is Adriana Mello. This is just a really interesting book. I mean, a lot of it is essentially showing that no matter how capable these women are, the Furies, how fearless they are, how skilled they are, they're always looked down upon on Apocalypse. They're laughed off all the time as, oh, you're just women, you know, you can't do any of this. And in a lot of cases, they're made to do things that they shouldn't be to get ahead in Darkseid's army, so to speak. 
like there's it, it, it tackles a lot of really interesting issues but in a fantastical way and the artwork itself throughout it the, the panel layout is just brilliant the whole way through it mixes it up all over the place um at this point there's the leader of the female furies dreamer is as i say being forced to do a lot of stuff and she reports this to granny goodness and granny's like i had to do the same thing 30 years ago you will do what i tell you um and she's just looking at escape um it's just a wonderful book and it's one that i wasn't too aware of uh, it was actually Stephen recommended it to me um which i know can be a dangerous thing but uh i have to say he's come through on this one but yeah you've got you know appearances by dark side in there it's, it's just a really interesting look at that other side of the dc universe um and it's a book that i think will will read brilliantly in trade it's just six issues as i say so you'll have um the trade of that not too far away um cool it's a shame i can't talk it's about really cool yeah um, it's a shame i can't talk about issue four because issue four is is actually called the escape of scott free which is really really good yeah it's lovely yeah as i say really interesting artwork layout really detailed really colorful um yeah just one i wanted to throw up just a wee bit of an underrated title i feel um that actually has something to say as well um so yeah that was female furies number three um i've got the titans number 36 in front of me um, and the reason it bears mention is because it's the finale of this particular series I'm sure probably not for long um, to me Titans is one of is one of DC's staples, staples. it's one of its seminal titles you can't yeah. go long without it you know what I mean it's so but Titan, this this particular run of Titans um, Dan Abnett has been interesting um, started off you know obviously it's changed quite a lot as a result of Heroes in Crisis, because uh, Wally went to Sanctuary. As a result of Batman Fifty, because Nightwing got shot in the head and became Rick Grayson. Much <laughs> um, to your joy. Yeah. So uh, everybody's gone. <laughs> um, originally, they started off. You know, it came off the back of uh, Rebirth. So you had Wally West. Yes, exactly. Had, and yeah. then, you know, with with Dark Knight's metal and the Source Wall and the Source Energy, they became the Titans. Became the team who were looking at the effects of source energy on, on, on Earth and trying mm. to figure out, you know, trying to trying to quantify it and they were effectively subcontracted by the Justice League mm-hmm. uh, to do that. But it's like it's been the first half of the run was definitely better than the latter half, I think. Um, but one of the things that I I can just imagine a wee tear coming to your eye. <laughs> One of the things just, is just looking at this first page after the, the pain you've gone through with they, Rick Grayson. As they as they say, one of the things that sparks joy in me about this issue is that uh, Nightwing appears uh, in his in his costume as himself. Uh, it's a flashback um, between him and Raven and and Nightwing trying to convince Raven to to join to join the Titans team that he's about to form. So I guess this goes back to. Uh, prelude to the start of this particular run and it's set against the current story uh, which is uh, into the bleed so the uh, the titans have ended up on, on, a, on a place called unearth which is a uh, a world that has been created from a writer's a writer's imagination is a, is a george a dangerous R. place a dangerous place indeed <laughs> as you would <laughs> as you would know roddy <laughs> but uh this particular writing, I think he's a wee bit of a, a wee bit of a George R. R. Martin facsimile. He's created this fantasy world, and uh, he's not him, but uh, another villain, Mother Blood. I think it's Mother Blood um, has 
stolen Raven's spirit form or her whatever her you know her spirit self or I can't remember what she calls it but that's sort of what it is and they're trying to get it back and her spirit self is the uh, the head of the, the evil army sort of thing so she's fighting against herself trying to reunite herself uh, Donna Troy's in charge of the, the Titans and Beast Boy's gone off the deep end because this whole this whole run because of the source energy he can't control his transformations he's a bit of a berserker you know and that whole thing but that it goes on and on and we flip back and tween, back between this prelude storyline and, and the, the, the storyline of the of the, the comic and um, the good guys end up end up winning and uh, Gar Beast Boy seems to be sacrificing himself to make sure Mother Blood ends up in the bleed which is what she's trying to infect the universe with you know and uh, and Raven reunites herself and goes and gets him out and of course the bleed is the opposite of source energy so she's stuck in there powerless and it, it, it draws out all the source energy out of Gar so we have a wee minor a wee minor victory in that he goes back to being his uh he goes back to as as Green Lantern, uh, Kyle Rayner. I think it's Kyle Rayner, isn't it? Uh, yeah. yeah. He uh, he, uh, you know, points out because the bleed blocks source energy, and that's what her power is based on. Same reason Garfield is back to normal, and he's in the background going, "I'm cute again." Woo-hoo! <laughs> <laughs> you know, exposure purge the source energy from him. So, uh, so it's a it's the end to that particular story arc. The Titans end up. You know, back on Earth, and we see the end of the prelude, um, and that's the end of the book. You know, it ends with Nightwing talking to Raven and the, the prelude. Uh, yes, I'll be in. I'll be a Titan. So how do we start? And ironically, it is of course the end. The end. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I look forward to seeing what they're what they what they do with Titans in, in future, especially if you know Wally is going to end up being the big bad of the DC universe. That could yeah, be. Yeah, I mean, I I do wonder if they're planning to make the Titans book fall in line with the TV show. That's recently kicked off obviously you've got Nightwing you've got Starfire you've got Raven you've got Beast Boy mm. um, they're gearing up for a season 2 which includes someone else which although this is spoiler filled so I can say <laughs> you have Superboy um, so I do wonder if they're going to bring that in line but it, it goes back to what we're saying with we're not 100% sure what's going on with DC at the moment because that's the end of Titans Suicide Squad ended recently um there was another one came to an end recently. Um, oh God, it escapes me. But yeah, you've basically got a few different titles that have all come to an end that are obviously ripe for relaunching. So I think they'll do it with Titans soon. Yeah, I would I say have so. To say. Yeah. Um, Green Arrow, that was the other one uh-huh. that ended recently. Uh, so yeah. So Titans 36, and that brings us to the up-down segment of the, uh, the podcast. Well, for me anyway. <laughs> um, we have Justice League, which... Let's be honest, it, it has been something we've talked about before. It has been a bit of an up and down run. Um, there's been some stellar issues. There's been some confusing issues. Um, they're actually getting ready to relaunch it at issue 25 with a new logo. So oh, a new logo? That'll make a big difference. I know, won't it? <laughs> uh, I just saw it shared the other day. So No, but I, I, I wonder if that's going to be a change in direction as well, sort of thing. But... The issues in April were 21 and 22. 22, And Justice League's been doing this thing for a while now where they they flip-flop between every other issue. So, Yeah, it's usually four of Justice League and then one of the Legion of Doom. And then four of Justice League and one of the Legion Mm. of Doom. And this this, um, something of the sixth dimension (coughs) storyline has been kind of interesting. I lost the plot with it a wee bit. Uh, it's now in the sixth month. It's now in chapter four this month. So this was chapter three. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think 
Uh, I think I figured out what my problem is with it. What's that? And that's because I hadn't realised that there's two different writers on it. Uh, on the Justice League issues, yeah, uh, we've got Scott Snyder, and on the Legion of Doom issues, we've got James Tenney and the Ford. And the ones that I've lost the plot with are the Snyder issues, and the ones that I'm following are the Tinian issues. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I have decided that I'm not a big fan of Scott Snyder. <laughs> I'm sorry, Alan. Are you okay? <laughs> uh, it's fine. This Alan hit the floor. It's <laughs> it's always darkest just before the dawn, <laughs> and he's got my copy of Absolute Court of Arms. <laughs> yeah. When he yeah, reads that, that, when he reads that, we'll be all good. So, I think maybe what it is is if if, if what you're saying is true, and I and I believe it is, uh, is that is that maybe Scott Snyder, you know, he's he's a he's a, a disciple of Grant Morrison, right? You know, I think it's always the the stuff whenever he's writing cosmic stuff, Mel or. This this Justice League stuff mm-hmm. or uh, New Justice wasn't that it? No or, justice. No justice. You know, he sort of loses the run of himself a bit. You know, it's almost like he's trying to write like Grant Morrison, but he's not Grant Morrison. But as we and, know, no one can write like. Well, Grant yeah, Morrison. you know, and I think the <coughs> difference is that whenever Grant Morrison does it, it's a wee bit. There's always a wee bit of tongue in cheek. There's always a yeah. wee bit of self awareness. A bit of a wink and a nod yeah, to the exactly. audience. Yeah, exactly. And I think. This is, I think, whenever Snyder does, it's a wee bit self serious, and you're kind of going, for me anyway, I'm going, Scott, would you just tell me the story instead of trying to explain the whole universe? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think he, he gets lost in that trying to explain build the whole universe. Build yeah, and not, and forgets to tell the story, yeah. you know? Whereas, whenever we're, we're dropping back to the to the Legion of Doom episodes, the, the Tin and the Fourth, I'm, I'm sort of following it, and, you know, now to be fair, the. There was one issue there. Was it? Was it? Actually, I can't talk about it. It's a May issue, isn't it? <laughs> you know, which was which was great. You know, but yeah, uh, it just it was a Legion of Doom issue. Yeah, and it it was like an origin of Perpetua and all of that good stuff, and it was great. You know, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, and that's why I've been flip flopping. I think between yeah. dropping Justice League or enjoying Justice League, and I only just realised <laughs> it's because there's two different authors on it. Just keep the Legion of Doom issues yeah. for you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's 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 a fair enough point, I would say, because if I think of all the stuff that Schneider's done, that's my favourite. It's all grounded stuff, so street level stuff. It's yeah. you know the Black Mirror, you know, with Jock and Frank Avia. It's Court of Isles. It's the original Endgame, the first. Uh, it's uh, which is which is a Batman story yeah. within the New Fifty Two run. So Snyder's most well known for his Batman run, New Fifty Two, yeah. which was all street level. There was no fantastical stuff. There was no Batman leaving Earth for any reason. It was all set in Gotham. Detective based and women of horror. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, he's he's very much a horror writer. I would say as well. There's a couple of great um, ones he's written. One was called Severed, which was a dark horror tale. Of course, he comes from American Vampire, another horror tale. Did a great underwater one called The Wake with Sean Murphy. Yeah. So, I, I can see a bit of logic in what Keith's saying. I am enjoying Justice League, but I do struggle with it sometimes. Um, I've never been at a point where I've thought I might drop this um, because I do think it'll make some sort of sense in the end. But it, it goes back to what we, we talked about in the previous podcast. You shouldn't just follow everything a writer writes just because you like that yeah, writer yeah yeah and i think that's a fair enough point on justice league because what i would also say is and i think we talked about this the other day 
my favourite issue of Justice League so far was written by Tinian IV alright and it was the one uh-huh. shot where it was essentially Lex versus the Joker which was just a wonderful issue where they were just trying to one up each other the whole time uh, right, okay. and then the Joker ends up escaping right, yeah. and that led yeah. to the Batman yeah. who laughs and that's another title I'm enjoying which I'm enjoying as well you know it has yeah. fantastical elements to it but it's still very much it, it comes from his, I mean it comes from his cosmic metal stuff yeah. but it's very much a street level story yeah you know yeah so you know Roddy no longer needs to have his eyes glazing over or getting through some of this you know superhero stuff here <laughs> let's go on the indie next I think, think so yeah well <laughs> Keith has actually pulled out some Marvel books no so let's let's, let's no let's bang bang on the indie I said we'll go on the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah. Go on, Ronnie, lead the way. Save the best. Save the best for last. Yeah, I was enjoying the week. Oh, you don't hear that. He wants to do Marvel last. Save the best for last. He says. It's always, you know, it's always little jibes. <laughs> so, on the indie. Who wants to go first? Go what on, really. possible title do you think we should start off with? I don't know. Is there any indie title that we've championed for months on end that you know consistently gets better? That maybe yep. wrapped up its first arc this month. Whatever could you be talking about? I have yeah. no idea. I was actually going to say something else until you said you were going to wrap it up. So no, we'll just very yeah. quickly mention die. I think you yeah, know it's, it has to be die number five. I, I know we talk about spot this being spoiler filled, but I feel that the trade is only weeks away. I don't so think we should talk about the like, ending too much. But suffice to say, I thought die was going in one particular direction, and I can now see how this story can expand and this world yeah. can expand you by the end. you still think it's going to be 20 issues? I still do. I, I agree with you. Yeah. I think it's going to be 20 issues and I think I think we're looking at the, the end of the first quarter and I think so we're going to have four arcs. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, you know. And where some of the characters are at the end of this first arc you can see it being split into a couple as well. Yeah. So um, one thing I would be interested in I've literally just thought about this because Keith's opened up the first page I'd be curious once the run's over to read those specific issues. What happened in issue four, issue six? Well, actually, issue eight, you know, now, now we're 10, talking 10, about 5. 20 issues and the end of the first arc being issue five yeah. and there being four arcs. I've just noticed that Saul's dice number is D20 yeah. and Ash's dice number is D4. So I was just about to say we're going to have four arcs, which is the smallest dice yeah. in the Dungeons and Dragons, you know. Uh, I just think this book, there's a lot of symmetry in this book. I would be shocked if it was more I than think 20. That there's a. I mean, I don't want to go into too much detail for this, the reasons you mentioned, but uh, the first page of issue five is fantastic. Uh, it's set in 1985, um, and we've got we've got Ash and Saul together, and uh, happier times. Happier times. There's a there's a Saul has just built this castle, this Lego castle, and he's going hands on the hips. He's going to Ash. What do you think? And he's going. This must have taken you edges, Saul. You used all the pieces. Wow, that's skill. And then he goes, what are we going to build next? And he grabs his hand and says, no, you don't take it apart. It's finished. You know what I mean? And Saul, of course, is the he's the grandmaster. He's the yeah. word builder. You know what I mean? He's very much in charge. You know, even in 1985, whenever they're kids. So and that, I thought of class, you know. Uh, very, very cool. Very cool. And indeed. Stephanie Hans. Yeah. That art just, yep. every issue just continues to blow my mind. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you want to talk interesting panel layout and just gorgeous, like mm-hmm. every and just even looking at it, like it's probably the comic I spend the most time with. 
Yeah, even Andrew more so than annotated marbles. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> uh, well, that's like in another level of like. It's a graphic novel. Yeah, you sit down with, you sit down with with uh, marbles for an evening. That's an that's an entire yeah. evening. It's like a date. Yeah. <laughs> but this, it's like I'm like pouring over every like little panel, yeah. looking and just looking at the detail, looking to see. Oh, is there anything more in the background? Like, is yeah. there a cool? Yeah like monster or is there any sort of cool buildings I can see it's just gorgeous yeah it's uh, you can just feel a love dripping from it you know whether it's Karen Gillan's storytelling or as you say Stephanie Han's artwork and yeah where this issue went that's, again there will be no spoilers for it but where it went really surprised me but then at the same time I was like how did I not see this coming yeah uh, just yeah. brilliant storytelling and I'm, I'm really really looking forward to the trade of this coming out and hopefully introducing it to a few more people because the first issue unfortunately fell victim to one of those things where you know the prices just went up it wasn't a huge print run they have done five printings of number one now but a lot and, of and number yeah. two three and yeah four, consistent printings of them but i'm looking forward to this coming out and as i say hopefully mm-hmm. introducing a few new people for it and and yeah. just before we started recording i actually saw that karen gillen had shown on twitter the solicitation cover for issue six which will be back in august awesome. so that makes me happy so say you'll sell a few of those yeah and the game will be coming out yeah you know um, I'm just flicking through this and I'm going yep need to read all five of these issues again <laughs> yeah. you know so yeah. I've actually read issue one I think four times though yeah I bought a fifth printing of it just because it was a cool cover <laughs> and, I, yeah. and I sat down and read it again have you found anyone that doesn't like it um there's been one I don't want to name this. I know we. No, I don't want to be like, who is it? And shall we beat them up? (laughs) (laughs) No, there was um, um, there was one customer. I'll not name names, uh, but I know they listen to this. (laughs) But uh, they read the first issue. They said it was good, but they were happy to wait for trade. It wasn't. That's not too bad. Well, waiting for trade's all right. Yeah, Yeah, that's it. So uh, for me, it would be the a thing I would collect single issues. Yeah, but I also want to trade. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's happened in a long time happens all the time with me really really <laughs> yeah more than it should mm. cool um, so we are going to take it to another level with high level number high levels as far as number three number three um, yeah high level is another one that I just wanted to throw a little uh, love out for because it it's a title that it's not on anybody's pull list in the store um, except my own um, I think this will be another one that trade-wise will really sell well. Um, high level is high level itself refers to you know as with any good story like this, it's like the upper echelons of society that you aspire to get to is in the high level. Mm-hmm. Um, so a it's lot not of the greatest of titles, though, is it? Kind well, of it it works within the context of, of the, the book, book yeah. so it does because what it essentially is, um, certainly at this point, is. You've got um, the main character, um, who is sort of a bounty hunter, um, doesn't really get involved with sort of trans- transporting, shall we say, living bounties, but in this case she's actually been saddled with this little kid called Thirteen, who's going to be the saviour of this world, they just need to get them to the high level. Um, the artwork in this stunning. is amazing. Oh, yeah. This is, um, I mean, this doesn't look out of place just flicking through just after die. Um, obviously a slightly different world but I keep referring to to everyone as Blade Runner meets Mad Max but I mean some of the, the artwork's amazing like there's this one page here that is essentially a splash page 
but it's also kind of divided yeah. and it shows them walking around the room having different conversations Whoa. around it it's just really really inventive um the only other person I actually know who's reading it is Vicky, <laughs> and she's been enjoying it just as much as me. I think I'll maybe. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, do you have the first three issues? I've certainly? got the first couple in in the store. Right. Um, I, I did order a few of them because I, I just had a feeling this was going to be right. a great wee title. Set them aside, I'll grab them more. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, but yeah, I'm really, really digging this. I have to say, uh, Rob Sheridan, not someone I'm overly familiar with. He's our artist who is writing, and then the artist is Barnaby Bagenda, I think is how that is pronounced but yeah I'm really really loving this and and again this is something I don't I know we've talked about it before but I love highlighting it every time one of my favourite things within the books is reading it and no adverts <laughs> no breaking up of the story any adverts any sneak previews all at the end no so, Snickers ads no Snickers ads yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah high level's a great one and again it's up to issue 4 now is it I think it's earmarked to be 12 issues oh right I think. Yeah. so um, it's another one that I think I'll try and push with trade quite a bit this is sort of the rejuvenation of Vertigo again yeah I mean Vertigo they're trying I mean they'll in my mind they'll never get back to that golden no. era that was a lightning in a bottle because I saw uh, American Carnage mm-hmm. but um, Goes I think it's going to be it's going to nine. nine yeah, yeah. and then that's it done yeah, yeah. So. interesting uh, Rob Sheridan uh, attended New York's Pratt Institute for one year before being hired at age 19 by Nine Inch Nails Trent Reznor in 1999 on the merits of a Nine Inch Nails fan, sale, fan site he created during high school. He was initially hired to maintain the newly launched official Nine Inch Nails website and then took over as art director, contributing photography, web design, album covers, so worked almost exclusively with Nine Inch Nails. Um, you know, and in 2018 announced that he would be launching for Vertigo high level there you yeah. well if this is a debut it is a stunning one um, yeah can't recommend it enough to say Mad Max meets Blade Runner cyberpunk survivalist just great stuff really really love that book so say okay so if that's your pitch for high level what's your pitch for Middle West <sighs> Middle West whimsical fairy tale Middle West is a hard one to describe. Yeah, to Middle West Sorry. is one of those books. It's a world that you get lost in, and it's a world that it's a world slightly to the left of our own. They st- yeah. it, it makes me think of something like Terry Pratchett or something like that. It it, it makes me think of Stephen King's The Dark Tower, mm-hmm. uh, which is which is a world that feels like our own, but not quite. Yeah, uh, or feels like the history of our own, but not quite. There's something just not quite there. And, uh, so it's it's and it's it's definitely there's folk there's folklore in there, but it's very much a a common man's folklore. Yeah. It's very much you know an, an agriculturally based. You know it's in that mid, Midwest. It's yeah. A, it's a there's something a wee bit uh, Wizard of Oz about it yeah. as well. You know. Um, yeah, I mean to give you an idea, like in the first issue of Middle West, um, so there's this there's this little boy and he. He comes from a broken home, his mother has ran away but he still holds her in really high esteem and he lives with his father who seems to just be an angry man, angry at the world. You know, I think that even at one point he's, he even shouts at his kids like, no wonder your mum left you and all this kind of stuff. And then it, 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 you know, he goes to school and then he ends up stealing something from a shop and with he gets bodies, caught yeah. and 
you know he's the only one that gets caught doing it and his father's punished him and all the rest and, then, and a very and a very sort of violent scene yeah you know in it's a, quite in hard a, reading in a, in a comic book that is is cartoony you know it's uh, it's you know Scotty Young writes it but his the art style of it I think it's Jorge Corona yeah um, who draws and his art style is very similar to Scotty yeah. Young so Scotty Young obviously mostly well known for baby Marvel covers and yeah. I Hit Fairyland that kind of stuff but then his father turns into this sort wind of monster giant wind monster of rage he's like a hurricane and destroys yeah, yeah. the whole sort of hometown Time, and yeah. then the boy decides he's going to go on the run and go off on his own and then the rest of the book sort of becomes about his dad trying to track but him but then down. There's, there's more to it than that the the boy has got like a, a mark on his chest and uh, he begins to exhibit elements of his father's abilities yeah. you know and uh-huh. then the, you know interestingly his, his best buddy is this fox who talks. talks follows him around there's never any explanation yeah there's you know. these vials in the background that look to be pouring you know it's almost like a form of electricity or something but again it's not explained you know, it's just you just accept there's all certain these assumptions that are made and yeah. you know you just you buy into it there's a buy-in you know and yeah. and then there's there's things that are really classic americana you know, yeah. he rides the rails. Him and the fox ride the rails. Yeah. You know, like hobos traveling circus. You know, traveling circus, and then there's elements then of uh, of classic fic. You know, fiction classic um, because there's one stage where they have to cross this bridge, and it's one of those covered bridges. You know, and and of course, what else do you find a bridge but a troll? You know, and <laughs> um, but the troll. You know the trolls and you know riddles tries to riddle with them and they lose the riddle or they don't lose the riddle he actually succeeds at the riddle but not in the time frame the troll would like so then the troll <laughs> decides going to eat them uh, and how do they defeat the troll but they they take the roof off the bridge and let the light in the sunlight in and you know it's Tolkien's trolls that are turned to stone by sunlight and as in the Hobbit yeah you know so yeah. there's an element of that in there there's an element of fairy tale an element of 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 Tolkien's fantasy and, and, and but all set in, a, in what seems to be a modern world that is like our world but not quite mm-hmm. it's really interesting it's really really good um, There, there's the pared down pitch <laughs> <laughs> for Middle West but Middle West is one the trade just hit this week um, yeah. issue 7 issue 7 just came out this week I think it's so you don't need ground running yeah. I would yeah. go so far as to say there's not another book around like it Yeah, the way I would say it the same, same thing about yeah. Die yeah, I mean, I think the two series seem to start very close together, uh-huh. and there was this just little golden sort of week of image where it was Middle West, um, Die, and then Gunning for Hits, which is another one we, yeah. we've all really enjoyed. So, and three very different stories. But yeah, Middle West, as I said, just came out in trade. Um, it's one of those great entry point uh, ones where it's nine pound. It's the first six issues yeah. all together. Lovely new covers being drawn for it. Um, yeah, I mean, Keith and I talk about Middle West a lot. We yep. recommend it <laughs> Big very highly. Big stay. Very highly. Well, I guess um, surely around that time, if there was number ones, Farmhand number one would have came out around the same time. Yep. So we're going to hit up Farmhand number seven now, which is start of a... Second arc. Second arc, yep. yeah. Same again, first trade's not long out for catching up. It's Rob, Rob Guillory. Rob Guillory, yeah. yeah. Known for Chewy, for yeah. Detroit. Does it all himself? He does, it's writing and, uh, yeah, writing and. Not only does he do it all himself, but he also, on the back cover, puts a checklist with dates on them, and he hasn't missed a release date yet. Boom! Um, this, That's this, what we like to see. The second, uh, the second arc of. Uh, 
a firm hand obviously builds upon the first. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you it wouldn't probably make a lot of sense to jump in at number seven. No, but, definitely uh, <laughs> Starts with a flashback. Um, it starts with a flashback with the the main character um, Zeke, um, the, the main point of view character, and it's a it's a flashback when his mum is, I think, dying of uh, of of something cancer. She's in hospital, and. Uh, they really they connect him to their to the to readers because uh, you know she says uh, she says you and your daddy been getting along and he says yes she says don't fib I'm I'm sick I'm not blind <laughs> and uh, and he says no ma'am he threw my new comics out said I didn't fix the chicken wire again but I was busy folding laundry and forgot she goes what did he throw out and he says the Walking Dead number five hundred <laughs> <laughs> she goes. The one with the chromium cover, yes. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> so you know, there's already a wee nod in there, and it, you know, Alan has said to me, and as a as a, a true fan, that Rob Gallery tends to throw stuff into the background, you know, and those wee nods, and clearly that's one of those wee those wee nods, you know. Um, but yeah, it's a great uh, it's a great book. I mean, the the crux of the book, Alan, would you say, is about this seed. Uh, yeah, I mean, with farmhand. farmhand, it's, I mean, the sort of elevator pitch I always say to people, it's primarily about a farmer who can grow human organs for transplant mm-hmm. rather than a normal farmer would grow, you know, wheat or, you know, fruit, vegetables, that kind of thing. Yeah. And the further you're getting into it, the murkier it's getting. Yeah, I mean, there's, it's clearly, it started off, I think, as a wee bit of a treatise and genetically modified food and that sort of yeah, thing, you know, yeah. but it's a wee bit darker, you know. It's, it's uh, also a family book, you know, it's all about a son reconnecting with his father as well. and while, know, trying to, while trying to manage his own family. Yeah. You know. Yeah, because they're having their own problems with it as well. But same again, I mean, it's similar to what we were saying about Middle West. It seems to be set in our reality, but just tiny little bit different again. Yeah. Um, Farmhand's been great so far. Uh, very dark sense of humor too. Very much yeah, so. And, yeah, and again know, we, again we can't talk about issue eight yet, but issue eight was, I think, the best issue so far because you really start to see the results of what some of these transplants do to people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a very, very human book as well. At the same time, um, a lot of human emotion, emotional problems, a lot of. Familiar stuff, you know, like yep. like trying to connect with his dad, struggling with his own family, trying to connect with his own kids. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, it's great. It's really great stuff. You and know, it's also got like a bizarre, dark, like I don't know where you would come up with this sort of idea. Yeah, and it's really, I'm really <laughs> interested. You know, his father Jebediah uh, has has got this seed uh, that you know that what I can't. What do they call it? The what do you call it seed the oh, I can't remember either um, you know and as Alan says it it can grow into plant based plant based transplants or plant based mm-hmm. organs you know to, to save lives and, and this and that and the other but you know we're, we're now only just seeing the long term effects yeah. on people who have these transplants so again we're looking at you know uh, science out of control mm-hmm. uh, science run amok as they say you know, and the the whole idea of genetically genetic modification and genetically modified foods, and our, you know, then there's an environmental issue. You know, yep. as this seed yeah. escapes into the into the wild, and starts, you know, popping up. You know, you the people out in the wild, you're seeing trees that are growing arms, you know, <laughs> or eyes or whatever. You know, so really, really great stuff. Really great stuff. Um, very much, very much enjoying it. But yeah, 
Yeah. That's farmhand number seven, which is the beginning of the second art. But the first trades out, right, Alan? Yeah, it's another one always always keep it on the shelves. Uh, farmhand it's sold well so far and again the feedback not just obviously from ourselves but other guys who come in this store has been very, very good for it. So um yeah, highly recommend that as well, farmhand. Cool. Um so what about this one? Tell us about sync. Sync is I always the first sort of phrase I always use to describe Sync is it's a nasty little title um, Sync is again unlike any other comic it was a regular of ours Carl who first asked me to get it in for him and then it, it got my curiosity so Sync is set in this suburb of Glasgow called Sink Hill think of like the slummiest part of the world you could think of that's what Sink Hill is but as well as being like a real deprived neighbourhood riddled with crime and riddled with horrible people it's it's the kind of area that people would tell ghost stories about you know don't go through sink hill at night that kind of thing and there's this urban legend of this blue van that goes through which is filled with killer clowns um so it's like you need to stay away from this place it's a horrible grimy place but this title as well is ridiculously funny um very dark very is dark as, a Brit British guy. creative team is yeah. it uh, it is yeah it originally started off as a kickstarter I'm um, back to kickstarter way back when I've read the first one I've never read anything yeah like it becomes an anthology tale very quickly because each issue focuses on a different character but you'll maybe see in the background of another issue that other character yeah. or you'll hear them tell a story about another character that kind of thing the, uh, the artist Alex McCormick McCormick uh, um, yeah just he is on a title called Road of Bones, Road of Bones. which I recommended it, and then yep. it just came out this week. Just hit and this week, good series. John Lee's the writer has now pretty much the other day just recently announced the new IDW title. Mm -hmm. Can't remember who the artist is on it or the name, but I'll maybe look it up for the <laughs> end of the podcast. It looks very good as well. Well, with this issue, this issue just brought a massive smile to my face because. There's um, there's a character in it called Mr. Dig, and he's the closest thing that you can think of to a superhero in this world. He's essentially a guy who goes around in a fox mask, protects innocent people, and he carries a spade, <laughs> right? I was you thinking there's a fox link. I was like, why am I thinking about a fox? Because I was like, am I just well, thinking about Well, you find list? out in this yeah. issue who Mr. Dig is. Okay. And when I got to that point, I actually let out like a little squeal of joy. <laughs> it was so well handled. And I instantly jumped on, on the phone and messaged Carl. I was like, have you read Sync number 8? And he was like, man, that was bloody incredible, wasn't it? <laughs> issue 9 just came out this week. And the biggest comparison I can give to Issue 9 is The Raid. Right. Uh, which I, I watched recently. <laughs> Great movie. I don't know okay. if you guys have yeah, seen it. love it. You've bound to have seen it, Keith, surely. The Raid? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fan one of the most fantastically choreographed yeah. martial arts movies ever. Well, um, this uh, Sync Issue 9 was a bit like that. It's, it was The Raid Meets The Running Man. <laughs> Honestly, wow. it, it's ridiculous as a time. So, to give you a little idea of the, the context of this story, what it was was this rich industrialist moved into the Sync Hill area and you know, created this brand new tower block. And he started inviting underprivileged families and saying, no strings attached, you guys, here's a new life for you. You know the the fridge is well stocked. The cupboards are stocked. You need everything you everything you need will be here. Oh, but how do we pay for this? You don't. It's all for you. Blah blah blah. So this mm -hmm. issue ends. Then they've all been living there maybe you know a couple of months, and then all the shutters go down, all the doors are closed, and suddenly they're in an arena where people are going to hunt them 
<laughs> because they're underprivileged people, no one's going to yeah. miss them. But then what they don't realize is that one of the residents mm-hmm. is Mr. Dig. Uh, so the next issue is all about him fighting back against all these combat honestly it is such a great title it, it just brings a smile to my face but it, it is an acquired taste it's dark it's gory but it's always to me anyway done in a funny way um, the first trade is available I'm having a bit of trouble getting a hold of it at the moment because I actually want to copy it for myself um, but as soon as I get that back in stock I'm going to be advertising it because it is bloody brilliant but very much adults only. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, okay. Um, I, I just kept seeing looks of disbelief from Keith there as the whole way through <laughs> describing that, like, what? What are you reading? Um, but no, it's brilliant. And as, as Roddy did just say there, the artist, um, Alex Cormack, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, just released this one. He did the art for uh, IDW series Road of Bones, uh, which came out this week, which was pretty uh, excellent as well. Can't wait to get that. Yeah, copies ready and waiting for you. Um, so yeah, so that's Sync. That is Sync is going to be a title that no one will have heard of, um, but it is it deserves an audience. It it is brilliant. I'd say really really good. Hmm. What should we go to next? Um, throw throw on Keith's way. Throw, let's. Uh, You're let's, on the spot here, Keith. Let's go oh, down his. Jesus. Let's go down what is possibly one of. I think he described it himself as the indie title he really looks forward to. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting uh, because I wasn't expecting to. Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer uh, by uh, Jordi Belair and uh, art by Dan Mora so in April yes in April uh, Buffy was four issues in um, I really I, I bought the first three issues devoured them really really lovely what they're, they've done they've taken uh, the classic 90s Buffy story by Joss Whedon the, the, the story that made him famous I guess um, and they've updated it to modern day, you know. So at that time in the nineties, just silly things like, you know, the Scooby Gang didn't have mobile phones, you know what I mean? Those sorts of wee things we've talked about before. But uh, they've they've updated it to the modern day, you know, and, and it's still the same the same plot, you know. Into every generation, a Slayer is born. Buffy Summers is that Slayer. The Hellmouth is opened in Sunnydale. Da 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 da. You know, but they seem to be fast forwarding a lot of stuff and changing a lot of stuff. So. You know, Buffy meets uh, meets Willow and Xander very, very quick. Um, Xander clearly has a crush on Buffy, but we're seeing it from inside Xander's head, and Xander's also clearly suffering from depression. You know, when he's you know he sees uh, you know he sees Buffy, but he can't have her. You know, he doesn't have the, he doesn't have the, uh, the confidence to you know to, to approach her, and you know um, you know Willow was as openly gay whereas in the TV show it took a, a long time for that to be established if I recall mm-hmm. right you know and and this and they've introduced uh, Drusilla and Spike very very quickly because uh, you know I don't think Spike appeared until well into the series um, played by James Marsters um, but issue 4 was really interesting because they did something that they just didn't do in the series and by the end of issue 4 Drusilla has bitten Xander and turned him into a vampire, which is just, you know, he was one of the characters right the way through the show, so you're just like, what? What the fuck are they going to do here? <laughs> you know, so, uh, I mean, I think I'm right in saying that. It's totally, it's a totally different, uh, it's a totally different uh, uh, storyline, yeah. you know, so I'm really interested to see how it's, I mean, and I would probably, I mean, I'm sort of familiar with Buffy, but not intimately so, you know, the, the TV show. Uh, so I would probably go back to I would probably go back to my mate Donna who was really really into it at the time 
and go actually this has happened at that you know so uh, I'd love her to pick this up I think she'd really enjoy it uh, and then at the end of this I think this, she'd just scream down the phone at you they did what does it matter <laughs> well, maybe possibly you know <laughs> I think we should we should probably talk to one of our regulars about that <laughs> but uh, the very last panel on this uh, this issue is uh, just a wee uh, there's a there's a, an individual hiding in the shadows watching everything that's happening and uh, in the very last panel uh, the light is cast upon him and we see Angel uh, who was, of course, the the vampire with the vampire with a soul, uh, you know, and uh, he bears a striking resemblance to the actor who played mm-hmm. who played Angel at the time. So yeah, I'm really, um, I was kind of saying, Alan, I went, where's Buffy? It's Are not- they using like all the likenesses? They seem to be, yeah, they seem to be. Um, I mean, Joss Whedon seems to be very behind this, and there's a lot of, you know created by Joss Whedon so it's Boom Studios have the license you yeah. know which I assume is licensed the likenesses you know um, I mean, even down to just the logo of, of the book itself yeah. is you know yep yeah. and uh, I mean following this uh, Boom released a, an Angel number zero because yeah. they're, they're obviously planning an Angel series as well so but yeah great great book really really good you know really enjoyable um, uh, the there's, I think it's six weeks between this issue and the next issue. Yeah, it's not out until because I, I had the wee angel after, one. Yeah, yeah. so uh, I was going, "Where's, where's Buffy?" And I didn't realise how much <laughs> I was looking forward to it until it wasn't there. I was like, "God, I'm really, I'm really enjoying this series." <laughs> yeah. You know, so Boom, Boom Studios, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, cool. the trade, trade just for the first last week, four yeah. issues has just come out. So yeah, just hit last week. Highly recommend it. Just, no, please. no, no, after you. No, no. Um, I was just going to say when you said Dan <coughs> Mora there, just reminded me. Boom, have a new series with Dan Mora and Kieran Gillen. Ooh. Yes. Do you know the name of this one? No. <laughs> Kieran Gillen, the writer of Die, Die? and okay. it looks very fantasy orientated. Right. I'll look it up. He's okay. going ha- to have to look this one up. We can get on board you with the uh, yeah, fantasy yeah, I mean, Kieran Gillen title. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Well, what I was going to say was, I was going to say, you know, take us on a tour of the 80s, really, you know, Transformers. Mm. One of the covers of the month, literally just for the Lord oh, of the Rings reference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a. So, Transformers number three was out in April. Um, it's the third issue of the, the series written by uh, Brian Ruckley and uh, art by Angel Hernandez and Cashier Whitman. And the cover. Yes, what's that? Doing double duty. Yep, they, they are the uh, the cover um, that Alan's referring to. Um, who was the artist on the cover? I ain't sure. Uh, but yeah, it's it's very much uh, a Lord of the Rings reference. Yeah. You know that classic that classic uh, scene where Aragorn pushes open the doors of uh, Minas Tirith. Is it? Yeah. Or is it Gondor? Can't remember. Uh, or well, that would be something <laughs> but yeah Optimus, Optimus Prime doing exactly the same thing um, still enjoying Transformers really? yeah loving it so the sort of you basically keep getting two stories two concurrent stories with the, the sort of friendship of Megatron and Prime just falling apart at the seams and then you also have the mystery of who killed um, can't remember the character's name Oh, um, brain. Yeah, 
Brainstorm. It's brainstorm, yeah. Brainstorm. And then that's connected to Rubble, who still who Rubble's getting a bit more serious now. Yeah, he's, the, he's having to grow up quickly. Teenage, he's like, grow yeah. up, get a job, and he's uh, he's the newly yeah. forged Transformer. Yeah, uh, so who is uh, who is uh, Bumblebee's mentee? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, really, yeah, big style. So nearly three stories because you're seeing the life of the start of the life of a Transformer. Uh, you know, and we're seeing, I guess, a lot of background of uh, Cybertron. Yeah, yeah. You know, through Rubble and through Bumblebee, and then, as you say, then the 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 friendship or lack of friendship or the deteriorating friendship between Optimus Prime, which is reflected in the the growing tensions between the Autobots and the Ascenticons. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then we're seeing the investigation that Prowl has undertaken alongside Chromia. And Windblade into the murder yeah. of uh, of Brainstorm. So, yeah, really, really enjoying this book. I'm yeah, really glad you put me onto so it. So much, yeah. Because um, you're looking looking around, then you've got Bumblebee. There's all these relationships, but then there's like a lot of background matter of like world building and like the um, what do you call the guys in the moon and the guys that are the moons? Oh yeah, the Titans. Titans or whatever, yeah. And, yeah. Brilliant, really brilliant, um, really, and like the art, both of their art is really fantastic. I don't know how they're doing it mm. every couple of weeks. Um, the art's interesting because it sometimes it it's I think it's the epitome of four color because it looks quite basic mm-hmm. in a way, but the world building and the artwork of it I think is great. Yep, but because it's lots of sort of right angles and lots of you know. <laughs> It, it almost looks basic but it is brilliantly done yeah I really hope Rubble gets a chance to visit the moon yes yeah <laughs> you know um, great yeah great book really enjoy it it's, it's nearly like a prequel to Gen 1 isn't it I think, I think so yeah, yeah. So, um, but it's quite wholesome as well quite Gen like, 1 or yeah. Transformers as I call yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> but yeah great uh, really great book highly recommend picking that up and that I guess will be out in trade probably Five, maybe. IDW, no, when, do, when the IDW their stuff? Maybe after five or six. Um, I would say they'll go at least five. But the thing with this is because this has been a fortnightly title. Yeah. I don't think you'll see it traded straight away. Yeah. Um, you know, it's even when it comes to the Marvel DC stuff that's fortnightly, it still takes a good month and a half, two months after the last issue they're gonna have. Yeah. For them to trade it, so. And there's no plans on slowing down. It's always gonna be. No. I would say not. Um, that looks like another wee title that's evoking the spirit of the 80s and 90s. What's that? That looks like another wee title you've just Oh, opened. the one I've got in front of me? Oh, yeah. Mm. Um, well, for Dumb Transformers, I mean. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, just so, keep it short and sweet. So we're looking at uh, section zero, uh, part one, uh, by uh, Carl Kessel and uh, Tom Grummet. And... You're exactly right, Dad. I would say it's maybe more evoking the spirit of the 90s. Yeah. Um, so we could say. Formation of Image. Wasn't yeah. Shadowline? That's a very yeah, 90s thing. It is. Yeah. And Section Zero are protecting mankind from everything that doesn't exist. There is no Section Zero. Uh, so oh. there's there's a wee there's a wee sniff of Men in Black about this. There's uh-huh. a wee sniff of X Files. There's a wee sniff of, uh, uh, I guess, uh, the original. Sort of wildstorm stuff, maybe a wee yeah. bit. Um, so yeah, uh, section zero. Uh, it's actually it's set in, in the year two thousand, 
Um, but uh, and it starts in the the, the Australian outback near Uluru or Ayers Rock, um, and uh, there's a there's big big cat um, sightings, you know, and, and that sort of thing. And Section Zero seemed to be this this team made up of uh, made up of. Um, uh, let me see. What do you call a guy? Oh, I've, I've missed all the names here. Um, but there's there's one guy who's clearly the the, the cool fighty guy. He's got a soul patch and sunglasses. Uh, <laughs> God, it really is nineties. Yeah. So a soul patch, even better than <laughs> yeah. that. Soul patch, sunglasses, and a samurai sword in his oh, back. Nice. <laughs> you know, and a badass costume, and uh, and then he uh, his his backup is. Um, is uh, Tina, and she's she's a she's a scientist, a sexy female scientist who's well armed with high tech weapons, and and uh, their uh, their driver then is a is a classic grey alien in a costume who's been raised on Earth, and he they fly around in his spaceship, and they meet a really really interesting character in their first adventure. Um, he has the 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 body, the head, the body of a human, but the head of a of an insect like an ant and a couple of extra ant legs uh, coming out and he is known as get this 24 hour bug <laughs> <laughs> so he's this uh, he's this kid who uh, and uh, very tongue in cheek yeah it? very very much so uh, he's this kid he he got this tattoo in a, in a back alley tattoo parlor and every so often it itches and whenever he scratches it he turns into this bug for 24 hours only yeah so and then it all it all fades so uh so section zero are uh section zero are a, a secret government organization which government we're not sure um and uh you know it's uh welcome to section zero section zero yeah you're in it you might as well know it it's a secret section of the United States, the, the United Nations Charter, which, let me see if I remember the exact words, perpetually funds an international team of experts to explore and investigate unexplained phenomena worldwide. So, so there's a bit of this going on, and uh, there's a bit of uh, of background politics going on. Is the the old guy who's in charge? Is he actually a double agent? What's going on? Uh, you know, there's a bit of sexual tension because uh, Soul Patch Sword. Shades guy used to be with sexy scientist girl, you know. So it's uh, yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. Um, I did. I really really enjoyed the first issue, and I really enjoyed the second issue. So uh, it is totally cheeseball. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's supposed to be. I think it was originally funded as a Kickstarter as well. Yeah. Um, and uh, got where it's going. But yeah, well worth uh, well worth a wee look if if X Files and Men in Black, you mm-hmm. know, was kind of your was kind of your jam and to find your 90s yeah in the 90s yeah absolutely which for me it very much did you know I noticed there's a new Men in Black movie out yeah and then to see who the two main characters are Thor and Valkyrie ah fantastic <laughs> there you are so I look forward to that so uh over to Alan basically for the the last two yeah just a couple to finish off with I mean one of them I recommend nearly every month but I feel like throwing it out there again just because it continues to be such stellar work which is criminal um, so Ed Brubaker on writing duty Sean Phillips on art these guys are always working together um, it's just 
it's just straight up hard boiled noir. Um, mm-hmm. Issue four was essentially all about a kid who had just got out of jail, who went to find his former best friend, and his uh, you know his best friend essentially blanked him, said you know I'm not getting caught up in your crap again. So he goes out of his way to find the guy who killed his best friend's dad. And then it's all set in one night where he goes to get him and wants him to, you know, get that closure and all this kind of stuff. Criminal just continues to be fantastic. It's um, it's one of my personal favourites around. Would I be right in saying that you have a hardback edition of Criminal sitting over there? You would be correct. Interesting. You know, maybe a future book club out there. <laughs> maybe a future um, me taking it home to read it. <laughs> <laughs> read three quarter miles first. <laughs> but um, no, Criminal, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Keith just noticed that there are trades are behind us but um criminal is just a brilliant world the way it's set up how this is not a tv show is beyond me because if mark miller had written it it would be yeah (laughs) you're not wrong but yeah it's got recurring characters the whole way through it it's it's just hard-boiled great noir i mean these guys they wrote one of the best wrote through one of the best original graphic novels of last year my heroes have always been junkies which is very music heavy as well as noir right Um, really enjoyed it um, the other one I just wanted to mention this is a new series that just kicked off called Ascender uh, this is issue one uh, this is from the team of Jeff Lemire on writing duties and I always want to say Dustin Nguyen but I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce his surname or not Nguyen. Um, Nguyen. who's one of he's an artist I really really like he did a great series for DC called Little Gotham which reimagined all the big characters as kids um, but it really delved deep into the mythology um, Ascender is actually it's a title in its own right but it's also a sequel to another title called Descender uh-huh. which was by the same creative team Descender was all about following the journey of this little robot boy um, who somehow was alive in a world that had outlawed artificial intelligence um, because if I'm right in remembering in the first issue this um, warning went off that basically um, had all these massive robots like when I say massive I mean bigger than Earth towering over all the worlds and destroying all of mankind it's very sort of Terminator-esque but in a different way but this young boy was innocent and it just wanted to be human very AI the movie sort of tones to it but with Ascender this is set 10 years after it um, but instead of a world that's very technological and dark and robotic for lack of a better term this is very whimsical and magic formed okay. it's all about the world recovering from all of that Mm-hmm. but what it does share is a protagonist who's a young child in this case it's that classic trope you know you always think of Star Wars you know the kid who thinks they're destined for somewhere more and just wants to yeah. you know get you know leave their sort of humdrum life behind so to speak uh, first issue was great really looking forward to seeing where it goes from here there's a couple of guys in the store have jumped on it um, I'll just you know quickly show you a quick example of the artwork because the painted style that Dustin and Gunn does is just amazing um you know it's not an uber detailed style but it's very whimsical and colorful and imaginative and looks like watercolored yeah it's a watercolor style um as i say it's a it's a beautiful book and you know they're just getting going in the world building Mm -hmm. um there seems to be this dark um coven of witches as well as i said it's much more focused on sort of mysticism and magic and I think she's fearful of this young girl who, again, will, of course, turn out to be, you know, aspire to be something more. Um, what I will say is I never read Descender. Mm-hmm. This really makes me want to read Descender. 
Um, so you don't have to read Descender without no not at all yeah. apparently I've, I've read a review here and there of this and apparently there's one character who carries over right. and it's okay. sort of an easter egg rather than a you know yeah. really important part but I went into this with no preconceptions other than I like Jeff Lemire Sweet Tooth you know I love it Yeah. Um, did some great runs on Hawkeye and Green Arrow as well um, and After Death with Schneider um, but yeah really really dug Ascender I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. I think issue two actually is next week. Oh, um, cool. But yeah. yeah. So I think so we have concluded the uh, indie portion of the show. Oh, so that's us done then, yeah? We don't have to discuss any of that other crap? Yeah, sure. <laughs> no, not everyone. Right. That's us. Oh, wait, no. Not at all. Um, yeah, I, through gritted teeth, we will move on tomorrow. And there so, copious amount of great titles this week. <laughs> so it was Marvel Month. Are you going to admit that? Well, it's interesting because I think for the last, I would say the last five to six weeks, I would say a Marvel issue has been my favorite of the week, and probably all of those except maybe one, maybe two max. Mm. Um, some of the titles we'll discuss here are some of the best examples of the genre yeah yeah. I um, think you're, you're not you're not wrong and interesting just looking at the little list we wrote we didn't even put Friendly Neighbourhood Spider-Man 5 on it <laughs> did we not? no but I'm happy to skip it this month because there will be a long detailed discussion on number 6 next yeah, month yeah I would say so which yeah. will probably be the yeah. issue of the year it's uh, incredible yeah. oh big style have you read it Roddy? Have you? No. yeah definitely uh, have to get on it oh, tears before bedtime <laughs> definitely oh, definitely it's incredible yeah. um, <laughs> read it three times <laughs> cried oh. three times I think I've worse read it three or four times worse than one of the Spidey titles the other Spidey title we're going to talk about um, uh, yeah this was, uh, this was fairly fairly stellar fairly stellar speaking of something that had me nearly in tears uh, Major X <laughs> <laughs> yeah so Major X uh Mr. Liefeld. So yeah, so I uh, can you please just not? <laughs> well, I mean, Major X is is uh, Rob Liefeld's triumphant return to Marvel yeah. uh, as the writer and penciler, and we all know old Rob has a certain style about him. Um, so this, I mean, I I picked it up knowing knowing what I was getting, yeah. but I mean, there's a there's a certain. Um, I suppose as I look back, you know, to the nineties, it's know. interesting that we were discussing section zero five minutes ago. Yeah, as a good example of nineties yes. nostalgia. You know, but 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 I mean, Heroes Reborn and you know all of that good stuff. The the X Force, X Force mm-hmm. was one of the best books of the nineties. You know, mm-hmm. Rob Liefeld's X Force. He introduced Cable. You know, um, so I mean that's never. And then he destroyed to, all that good work for you by introducing, by introducing Deadpool. Deadpool. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know. And uh, so this was a the thing that attracted me was was Liefeld's cable on the front. Um, you know, cable obviously is you know or the original version of cable older cable is dead in, in the, the mainline Marvel universe now. And uh, yeah, this story you know has wow. Yeah, wow. Well, well, <laughs> sorry, we just saw you go to the next page for the massive crotch shot. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so. So yeah, we have this mysterious uh, Major X appear in what is clearly 90s X-Force, 1991 I believe. He's arrived safely at Charles Xavier's School for Gifted Youngsters, 
unfortunately not without incident he's had to put down all of X-Force I don't know who the hell he is putting down all of X-Force in the 90s because that didn't happen and he's standing on uh, on Cable's throat and Cable's all shoulder pads and pouches and metal arm and he's got some sort of weird version of Beast with him who he goes by the name of Mc, Mc, it's not McCoy It's he calls him something else and it's just all life Eldy um, you know it's all where's the best page so far yeah, the answer for Savage Avengers yeah I don't know I don't know what it, what it was the, the the mutants in the future have all seen there's time travel there's always time travel uh, you know the mutants in the future seem to have gone to this place called the existence it's just an X mm-hmm. X is, is of existence course. Of course. you know and there's a futuristic motorbike and Major X wears a helmet nobody knows who he is and he um, looks like a Judge Dreddy mixed with Deadpool, s- doesn't he? Sniff a Judge Dredd and a sniff a Deadpool about him and his helmet's too big for him and the the, the guy who's in charge of the existence is called the Exential. Uh, you know, and uh, this this red and white beast is called McCoy M K O Y and I just I I don't know what it's so this lad ends up going back into the past and runs into Wolverine and a whole lot of lads and 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 cables there and and uh, yeah Deadpool, and Deadpool no 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 that's not Deadpool that's Dreadpool that's Dreadpool he's got shoulder pads after the wonderful shoulder padded cable yeah it's all about shoulder so I was here for the pouches and the shoulder pads one issue was enough on the, I picked up issue 2 I read it and I wasn't interested so goodbye Major X yeah, <laughs> I, I admired your bravery going for a second issue yeah it's a, you know what yeah it's interesting because they've made this a fortnightly title it's I almost like they wanted to get it out before people realised how bad it I don't, was I don't know what is I mean and there's a big reveal at the end and you know Major X reveals the cable that his name is Alexander Nathaniel Summers big fucking deal so it turns out you know he's Cable's kid I didn't this this kid this kid Cable had his Cable had a kid it's not this guy you know and he shares a name with Havoc okay Alexander Summers meh 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 <laughs> that's enough of that would you like to borrow that one Roddy, or? no you're okay you're okay <laughs> yep um yeah uh, so so Liefeld Liefeld should should stop I think there was a there was a there was a series released this this week it was in one of the the back the back half of previews called the X Lifeels. <laughs> you know what it's all yeah I don't know totally taking the piss out of old Rob you yeah know, he's still making money somewhere like but yeah they call the Deadpool movies mm. <laughs> yeah enough. just put that back to the bottom of the pilot um alright from one uh, bad Marvel event to one rather excellent Marvel yes, event yes and that would be the first two issues of the long awaited War of the Realms. Um, so both 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 issues come out in, in May. Same uh, again, fortnightly. Yep, interestingly. Uh, but it's really suiting it because it's a real quick fire Great title. Flow it's, it's fantastic flow. There's a lot going on. There's a lot changing. You know, as we follow the war by Jason Aaron and Russell Dutterman. This is this is the event that that Jason Aaron has been building up to for years. Yeah, and, like and six Thor, years. Or you know and. And then different wee things are, are coming together now in issue two and, and issue three. We've talked before about, I've, I've mentioned before about the link between uh, Jason Aaron's Thor and the God Butcher storyline and um, the current Venomark, uh, Donny Cates' Venomark mm-hmm. and, uh, 
and Null, the, the god of the symbiotes, you know, and the, the god sword and all of this sort of stuff. And it's all coming together in this. Yeah. You know, and the Avengers, the stuff that's happening in Avengers. Jason Arms a genius. <laughs> so, uh, as I said, it is, it is really quick fire. Um, we start with, with the map of uh, uh, Yidrasil, the, the life tree of the Asgardians. And, you know, uh, for, ye- for for months now, uh, Malekith has been has been plotting this war, and the war has been going on in all the other realms. And he's defeated. You know, he's taken over the he's taken over Niflheim, and you know the the realm of death, and Muspelheim, the realm of fire, and the, the he's defeated the light elves, and he's defeated the dwarves, and 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 the, the frost giants, and the the Vanir. Um, you know, and the only word that is left, the only realm that is left to conquer is is Midgard. Is Midgard is is, is is Earth, and that is where the final battles of the War of the Realms take place. And they're doing it with style. They really are. They put it together beautifully. Yeah. Um. So we have uh, we have the Asgardians. We have the heroes of Midgard. Uh, Spider Man, Jane Foster, former Thor, who's now been christened the All Mother, Punisher, Daredevil, Captain America, uh, Black Panther, She Hulk, Iron Man, Captain Marvel. Uh, Blade the Vampire Hunter he's been a part of the Avengers now for a while mm-hmm. Ghost Rider um, Doctor Strange and Wolverine and then Malekith's forces you know here are all the various leaders of the you know the, the other realms but it really is you know for some time now the Dark Elf King Malekith and his powerful allies have been laying waste to the Town Realms nine have already fallen including Asgard itself ruined in a battle that saw Thor's hammer Mjolnir lost in the sun and the Rainbow Bridge shattered most of the Asgardians have relocated to a brownstone in the Bronx. <laughs> now Thor has only a fragment of Mjolnir, an armory full of substitute hammers, and no way to reach Malekith, who has his own bridge to ferry his army between the realms, the Black Bifrost. Thor needn't worry about finishing, about finding Malekith, however, for the War of the Realms is about to come to him. So, so issue one kicks the whole thing off um, in Odin's throne room. Um, attempted assassination by, by Dark Elves. Um, all of this, all of this good stuff. Um, we flash between uh, Thor is uh, tricked again by Loki, who is on uh, kind Will of Thor ever learn kind of on Malekith's side. He loves his brother, you know. <laughs> uh, Thor ends up in uh, tricked by Loki in Jotunheim, the, the realm of the Frost Giants, surrounded by Frost Giants and uh, giving them the gift of battle. Uh, and then we're, we're in the Bronx and Midgard whenever uh, Dark Elves uh, start arriving and. Uh, Spider-Man's on the scene and he's teaming up with uh, with Thor's mother Freya. Um, you know, there's some really great. Uh, it's kick ass in this. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> my son has told me much about you over the years. I had always assumed he exaggerated the more colourful aspects of your personality. <laughs> to it appear not. <laughs> Swords, stabbing, elves, funny way of talking. So you're Thor's mum, huh? I'm practically your son's BFF. <laughs> so, uh, some great some great stuff. Um, some really good stuff. They pull Wolverine in here. They pull Daredevil in, Doctor Strange, Punisher, uh, and then the full-on, you know, in a double-pride spread at the middle of the, the, middle of the book, full-on attack as, uh, as fire sprites and frost giants and trolls and, you know, dark elves all attack New York. And uh, you know, we see various. We see Punisher's responses. As far as they're concerned, they're still criminals. So he's still shooting them in the face with with his steel bullets. So it's all good because 
these things don't like steel and dare you know so it's everybody's coming on board um great example of a great example of a, a marvel event um and the way this the way this event has been run is also a really good example of um well, there's a there's a lovely scene where Thor's father or sorry Loki's father eats him. He's, he eats him. Um, so yeah, that's interesting. But it's it's really it's really lovely the way this event has been run. So we've got the six issues that are at the core of War of the Realms, the War of the Realms, you know, the spine of the whole thing. And then it runs through a variety of different uh, of different books. So it's running through Avengers. It's running through Thor, Venom. As Guardians of the Galaxy, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. I don't collect As Guardians of the Galaxy, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. I'm not picking them up for this. I do collect Avengers, Thor, and Venom. So those sections of story are being told there. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not missing As Guardians of the Galaxy or Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. You know, I don't. You know, whatever's been told in there is different. And then they're publishing a number of mini series. Uh, I'm picking up uh, War of the Realms and Canny X Men, which we'll talk about in a wee while, but none of the others. You know, so this is how you this is how you run an event. You know, all of the other books that you're reading will add value. You know what I mean? But not not reading ones that you don't read won't take away. Yeah, you it's almost I mean? like That's just a, follow the characters exactly, that you like to see exactly what they're Exactly that. Because I read Punisher, for yeah. example. So like those. so it's it's a masterclass on how to run an event. You know, so you're it's not breaking the bank because you're just you're reading what you want to read and everything you do read adds value. But yeah, but what you don't read detracts. Um, so yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, what are you reckoning on? I've been really digging it. It's interesting that you're coming to it from the point of view of four, five, six years of following Jason Aaron's work and it all fitting together nicely. I was coming to it very much from a I know next to nothing about this stuff, and it's made total another sense. I've been really digging it. Um, I think that I I don't always think comics are cinematic. I think comics fit the medium within which they are, but with this, this feels really cinematic to me. I could imagine this being a future MCU movie. Mm. Just the way it's framed. <laughs> it really is, yeah. The way the characters are put together, as you say, those big splash pages in the middle of Times Square. It's very easy to imagine this coming to life on the screen, I think. Um, I'd be surprised if down the line it's not in some way. Um, just you're flicking through issue two there. Yeah, there's the some great moments. Punisher's burning, like, so stony-faced the whole way through this. It's not it's, like he's... Does, he's not phased by the fact he's suddenly been yeah. attacked by Dark Elves. It's not, like, overawed or anything. It's just like, God... The Dark Elves game. are going, he's just one man. Why can't you useless mongrels bring him down? Because of iron. All Dark Elves have a weakness for iron. And this one bog-damn mortal seems to have an unending supply. <laughs> <laughs> and then from behind is the, uh, the claws... You know, push through the Dark Elves' chest. Iron, huh? Wonder if adamantium has the same effect. <laughs> <laughs> Guess so. <laughs> you know, so you get to see Wolverine, you know, newly reincarnated, newly returned to the Marvel Universe, and Punisher side by side beating up trolls and giants. Uh, meanwhile, Steve Rogers has never been much for prayers, but he is certainly very used to standing eye to eye with gods. So as he stood in the street below, Captain America asked himself one question. What would Thor do? <laughs> that was 20 floors ago. <laughs> Great stuff. And then, you know, he's going up the stairs, you know, shouting to everybody, get to the evacuation point. Once he gets up to 20, the 20th floor, which is about the height he needs to be at Frost Giant head height, he dives out the window, takes down a Frost Giant at the head height. Absolutely fantastic stuff. Um, yeah, really really enjoying it this issue 2 is all action it's you're right in the heart of the war in the middle of uh, yeah. in the middle of New York and uh, you know we have the Valkyries appear 
uh, you know, to you know the the. We're starting to see Jim Foster be more pivotal to the story exactly as well. Exactly, are yeah. Um, you know, Brunhilda on the back of her on the back of her uh, Pegasus rides by, and and Jane Foster stand there with a sword. Brunhilda, I could definitely use a ride, but not to Valhalla. Brunhilda says, "You're strangely familiar, mortal. Do I know you? Picture me with a hammer in my hand, and it'll come to you." <laughs> Referring to Jane Foster's time as Thor. Uh, so yeah, some great stuff, and we get we get. To and every character's getting the moment. This yeah, everybody gets thing it. I'm, yeah, I'm enjoying. You know, so when they're they're pulling in then the new Avengers mountain in the North Pole, and that 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 becomes the staging point. Yeah. You know, at this at this stage, as the Valkyries and the heroes who are now being overwhelmed, um, I guess Doctor Strange sort of screws up a wee bit and tries to evacuate just the just the people, just the civilians, and ends up evacuating everybody. You know, uh, so. Back to Avengers Tower, Avengers Mountain, which is the the bot inside the the, the hollowed out body of a dead celestial. Uh, just so you know, <laughs> you know, uh, Odin is in bad shape, uh, and uh, it's just it's great, it's great. And then from the end of this issue, then um, from the end of this issue, we spin out into uh, into the Strike Team issues, isn't that right, Alan? Yeah, you have the Strike Force issues. Strike Force all issues, one shots. Um, I know those are ones that you're collecting yourself. Yep. Because mm-hmm. um, again, one and dones are, are interesting that the teams have put together. Looking ahead, I can't recommend enough the. Uh, it's the Land, Land of Giants, Giants isn't it? Yeah. Oh, man, Tom it's, Taylor. it's incredible. I mean, but you know, again, these are one shots that have been released. They spin out of issue two. You know where these strike forces are sent in to 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 try and find Thor, to try and take down the Black Bifrost, to try and do something else <laughs> you know and they're, but they're, they're one shots you don't need to read them yeah. but you know they'll add value if you, if you do and those are the only things well, that I well just interesting there as I was saying about that strike force one I mean Vicky read it and she's read none of the rest of War of the Realms yeah and she loved that issue just again as a wee crazy one shot um, but yeah I, I've been really really impressed with War of the Realms so far I have to say and it's not an event I was massively looking forward to simply because I don't read Thor Avengers. Yeah. But this makes I mean, me yeah. want to read Thor Avengers. I'm interested I'm interested to hear you say that because I mean as you say I have been reading both and just uh, it's fantastic stuff. But yeah, it's interesting to know that, that you can enjoy it without having having the background, you yeah. Know? And I think this is gonna be potentially Jason Aaron's Magnum Magnum Opus. Do you think he might this. possibly move on from the I think tiles this after could this? be it for him? A little bit of a wrap up on them and then on to what maybe on the Southern Bastards issue 19 <laughs> <laughs> uh, shall we go for a wee bit of a a wee bit of a wee bit of a Spider-Man uh? yeah I think that's not a bad idea I mean it's uh, it'll be an interesting one to look at a couple of these titles given our upcoming Secret Wars um, I mean there's, there's just so much good Spidey stuff <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Symbiote first. Oh yeah. Simply symbiote. because I've taken it out of the bag. Perfect. <laughs> go for it. But yeah, we're we're obviously we've been talking about doing our book club and doing um, Secret Wars as the uh, the next book club, and we have this rather lovely little title that has started. Symbiote Spider Man. So um, Peter David and Greg Land. Greg Land uh, even kicks off. You open the first page. There's that you know classic image of Spidey, the symbiote taking over. You know, and I guess I guess it's worth what, what Alan's referring to is the fact that, that during Secret Wars, that's when the black costume appeared. Yeah. Um. And whenever 
whenever Peter returned from, from Battleworld, he had in his possession this brand new costume created by alien technology. Sleek, all black suit, you know, and the story of that was told in the saga of the alien costume at the time. So what, what symbiote Spider-Man is doing is it's the untold tale of the, the symbiote yeah, the uh, Spider-Man in the black costume, you know, is pretty much a direct sequel to it, isn't it? Uh, it's it, it it happens during it, so it's it takes place before Peter realizes that the costume is is alive yeah. and is feeding off his sense of responsibility and so forth and so on. And it's counterpointed against Quentin Beck, uh, Mysterio, um, you know, who's you know one of one of Spidey's classic villains and seems to be the. The classic villain in this, you know, or the, the the core villain in this, you know, yeah. Spidey's beating him up at the at the very the very top end of it, you know. Um, but yeah, the art, Greg Land's art, lovely, lovely pencils, lovely lines, um, you know, and it follows follows Mysterio as he's uh, he's sort of planning a bit of a a bit of a bank robbery and uh, and so forth and so on and. Uh, very brave big panel in it as well where uh, our splash page I should say um, just a little bit further on where Spidey's getting ready to jump between buildings and then it cuts back and it's the twin towers he's jumping yeah, between yeah and I've seen some interviews with Peter David and Greg Land about that yeah. and the fact they wanted to make sure that it was set you know at a specific time yeah. you know what I mean and that you know so and that they couldn't think of anything better in New York to do that than so yeah um Spider-Man fighting the the human fly, always a D-list villain. Uh, yeah, and this is back when Peter's with Felicia, isn't it? Yes, him and Black Cat are together, and Felicia seems to have really made a huge re-emergence onto the Spider-Man scene. You know, she's got her own title. She's featuring very heavily in Hunted, yeah. um, and she's featuring here in, in Symbiote Spider-Man when when Peter and Felicia were dating. Um, but yeah, the, the, it's great to see the it's great to see the black costume again. You notice that the whole way through, Peter's a bit stubbly. Yeah. You know, normally Peter's very clean shaven, but um, you know it's always a good uh, a good way to indicate that something's not quite <laughs> right with your uh, with your hero. Yeah. Um. But yeah, really, uh, really great first issue. Really fantastic first issue, and uh, the second issue just got got a little bit better. Yeah. Um. Yeah, one of several very good Spider-Man titles. <laughs> great, uh, great scene between Felicia and Aunt May. Um, you can be honest with me, Felicia. You're not just Peter's friend, are you? Not really. I'm his love, uh, his girlfriend. You can say lover, dear. I'm old, not dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah just one of three Spidey titles we were going to yeah, so, showcase this time so first issue is Symbiote Spider-Man second issue is out now yeah. um, always a big fan of Peter David Peter David has done some great work on on all things Spider-Man he tends towards things that are slightly left to centre with Spider-Man so he created Spider-Man 2099 he's one of my favourite Spider-Mans Spider-Man uh, he wrote uh, Scarlet Spider mm -hmm. as well uh, quite regularly so yeah Peter David mostly known for the Hulk but uh, does some great spider spider work as well very safe pair of hands uh, you got Life Story number two in front of you there yeah I know this is a Spidey title you read isn't it Rob? yeah thank god I can talk again <laughs> I'm gonna pass oh well I was about to say I'm gonna pass my copy but you know Keith's passing his across 
You lead the way, sir. Just Same. first of all, just look at that cover. Covers my favorite of the of them all so far. So, oh really? I think the third one might be my favorite, although I haven't got it yet. But um, it's the two towers, and the top is Captain America shield. That's issue four. Oh, is it? Oh, issue three sorry, is Spidey in a coffin with nuclear bombs. Yeah, it's the 80s coffin, and he's yeah, in the black suit. Yeah. Whereas so, this one is the uh, orange cover with the disco ball slash. We ball. are firmly in the seventies. Oh yes, big stone. Elastic time, Keith. <laughs> Not here. Not here. Not here, exactly. Roddy. Exactly. This is real time. Real time. So we're in straight into nineteen seventies. Peter's with Gwen now. Nineteen seventy-seven. Seven. Yeah. At the well grave of uh, at the grave of Flash Thompson, who has died during who's been Vietnam. killed during Vietnam. Vietnam War. Yeah. So obviously Peter's feeling very responsible. He's using using maybe that death more than Uncle Ben in this book. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, as a sort of guilt and um, well, Uncle Ben's his, death is now fifteen years ago. Yeah, yeah, no, so so he's maybe using that as a springboard now, and of course Captain America's on the run. Uh, Vietnam, very the Vietnam War Vietnam has now been extended. Had, yeah. Yeah, it's now it's now beyond what, what it ran in history where and that seems to be because of superhuman influence. Yeah. So that that's changed the course of history. It's real this this when I when we first heard about this book and now uh-huh. what I imagined it and what it is is something so completely different to what I had imagined. I was like, okay, like we few we Few stories, uh, yeah. We'll like, we'll just like play around, retread familiar ground. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought like the first one maybe had a wee bit of that, but it was it had just enough like emotional core to really make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one, I don't know. We're now seeing, yeah, fantastic. we're now seeing the divergence yeah. that, that yeah. the choices that you know are made and the time that passes are doing. You know, Peter's Peter's still an edge here where we. We recognise him as, as he is today, so he's now been Spider-Man for over 15 years. Um, he started as Spider-Man in 1963, which was fif- which is for 15 years 15 years ago, yeah. so, uh, and he was 16 years old. So he's now, I guess, 30, 30 in his 30s here. Yeah. Um, he's working alongside a much older Reed Richards, or a slightly older Reed Richards than we're used to seeing. Um, Reed would be older than Peter by maybe, what, 15, 20 years, so yeah. that's now showing. He's reads now in his 50s, which is older than he's ever been, you know. Um, and they're uh, they're working alongside Otto Octavius. Yeah. Hard to believe he was trying to murder me a few years ago, <laughs> you know. So Otto's obviously served his time or, or whatever. Oh, after his heart attack, heart attack, he realized there was more to life than accumulating wealth and power, so there we go. Otto Octavius is older. He's suffered age-related you know, illnesses and it's, it's brought them around. So, yeah, I mean, I think the further we go into the, into, from, uh, with the lack of elastic time, I think the further we go, the more we're going to see things diverge from the 616 universe, yeah. you know, uh, for sure, you know. Um, but yeah, we've got a bit of Harry, Harry and his dad, Norman's in prison after first first issue yeah, yeah yeah he's 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 been discovered as the, the he, mad green goblin he has one more secret to tell him what could that possibly be um and then peter's uh, clearly very happily happily married to gwen yeah um yeah. Uh, gwen's working alongside uh, professor miles warren uh who we know as the jackal um 
the jackal in the original comic, the original story, had uh, had a real crush on his student Gwen Stacy. Was one of Peter Parker's uh, high school lectures or university lectures. Had a crush on Gwen Stacy and uh, and took that to the nth degree. Uh, you know, he cloned her, cloned cloned Peter. Um, you know, cloned himself. Um, but yeah, Peter's now married to Gwen. She's working for Miles. Uh, it seems that Miles has managed. Uh, you and Professor Warren are actually doing good, recreating limbs for people. You even managed to help fix poor Kurt Connors. So, if they fix poor Kurt Connors, then poor Kurt Connors doesn't have to fix himself, which means he never became the lizard. You know what I mean? So these things echo. You know, um, yeah. Professor Warren's been a wee bit creepy. Uh, the Spider-Man costume has evolved a little bit. We've got some, some, yeah. some, some bits and pieces attached to it. Some, uh, some armored. Type effects there. Some knee and shin pads. Yeah, something along those lines. Uh, Mary Jane is is the party girl. Uh, whenever we see her here, I uh, thought that scene was fantastic. Yeah, it's like just Mary Jane just telling him very detrimental point. towards yeah. Peter, and it's very sort of like calls him sanctimonious. I think at one point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but clearly he's you know he's taken. Can't all be perfect like you and your lab buddy? She says. Yeah, yeah, so that's clearly gone a slightly different way, you know, um, with Green Goblin in jail, he never had the chance to push Gwen off, yeah. off the bridge, you know, uh, so by this time in history, so Peter, Spidey didn't kill her? By this time in history, <laughs> you know, in, in 616 history, Peter and Mary Jane would be dating, Yeah, you know, yeah. face it Tiger, you've hit the jackpot, not quite, you know. <laughs> Um, and and the death of Flash has clearly had an effect on them here as well. Yeah, you know. So yeah, really. Uh, and uh, it seems like Mary Jane and Mary Jane and Harry are together. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. That's Harry's passed out in the background in the club, drinking too much. Mm-hmm. And he is now the so the Black Goblin. The Black Goblin appears here. The yeah. Goblins, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The Black Goblin, so uh, yeah, he's clearly working for his father, and uh, you know the the whole thing comes down. We discover the clones of Peter, of Harry, of uh, is it Peter and Harry and, and Gwen? Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, the fight between uh, the Black Goblin and Spider Man, and all of this good stuff, and the Black Goblin destroys the clones, or tries to destroy the clones. Miles is Miles Warren you know has he's like no you can't do that uh, Gwen thank god you're okay the building was empty except for those clones Gwen says you have to save them they're living beings he goes okay I'm on it he can uh, he can only save one he only saves he's only able to save his own clone uh, both Harry and the Gwen both the Harry clone and the Gwen clones are dead but uh, he, he he could only save himself uh, Frank and Peter as he refers to him but Miles is inconsolable <laughs> over the Gwen clone being destroyed and then it quickly becomes clear that uh, the Gwen that Peter is married to is the clone and the one in the tube, the one that's just been killed is the original um, you know which of course Peter suddenly goes no Gwen you know what's the crack here you know my wife's <laughs> dead you know the original Gwen's yeah. dead seems a wee bit <laughs> fucked up because he's always been married to the clone has he you know and you know to me you're going well this is the girl you're married to yeah the one you know this is the one you love it's not the one that's in the tube you know but he immediately abandons <laughs> his, yeah. he immediately abandons his <laughs> yeah. clone wife like, see it. you know and you know so that's a, it's kind of tragic you know and then it picks up 
1978 and we have uh, we have uh, Gwen just about to leave uh, I think you know she's leaving with Ben so that's Ben Riley, is it? That is the clone. That, yeah. that is the clean clone that Peter rescued yeah. from, and that is Ben Riley. That's the Scarlet Spider. Um, yeah, Keith just, I'm sure, as he read this, I was just, it was class, you know. So, so this is well, we were sort of joking that like the clone sagas across like five volumes, uh, they managed to condense it here in the about three pages. What, what's, what's, what the clone saga is now not going to happen, or maybe it will happen in the nineties, yeah, you know, but. Yeah. What, what happened here was, you know, in the original history, Miles Warren, you know, was using the clone and Spidey and the clone fought. Spidey, Spidey beat the clone and then threw him into a smokestack to destroy the body. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as we know now, the body wasn't destroyed and the clone survived and then went, went away and went on traveling around America, took the name Ben Parker or took or Ben Riley took the name Ben Riley after mm-hmm. Uncle Ben and Aunt May's um, original um, Chris, uh, uh, maiden. maiden name there we are thank you very much um, you know and you know so so at this point the clone would have been the clone would have been in a smokestack you know in 1977 but that's not what's happened you know the clone has disappeared off with the clone of Gwen Stacy so if the clone saga happens now it'll happen very very differently you know mm-hmm. uh, Peter's a mess Peter's an absolute mess uh, at the death of the original Gwen and Mary Jane seems to be taking care of him, you know, uh, and that and uh, he's he's a he's a, a wreck, like he's a, yeah. you know he's under a lot of stress here at the end of at the end of issue two. So uh, next our Secret Wars, so set in the eighties. It's all tied together. It's all tied together. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic stuff. This yeah, is really this, wonderful stuff. This could be the series of the year for me. And that's only issue two. It's fantastic, you know. <laughs> really good. The art, Mark Bagley on art as well. Is it and Bagley? Brilliant, brilliant stuff. So the last of our uh, three Spidey issues. Yeah, slap bang in the middle of Hunted. Yeah, is uh, is an interesting one. So Hunted has been taking place in the you know in Amazing Spider-Man, and what they've been doing is um, the last couple of issues of Hunted, they've been releasing .hu issues, which are additional additional issues so this is all, all written by Nick Spencer but they seem to be highlighting particular villains or particular sections of the story as told in the main issue so uh, this highlights Gibbon um, who again is another Z-list uh, Spidey villain you know um, he appeared in issue 18 and this issue 18 issue really spotlights spotlights on the Gibbon um, yeah, so it's you know the the whole idea of uh, of of hunted is Craven the hunter trying to reclaim his lost glory. You know has uh, has sectioned off Central Park with a force field. Him and his clone son. Oh, there's a clone again. <laughs> Him and his clone son have have uh, have herded all the all the villains who claim the criminals who claim affinity with the beasts of the wild. You know, so all uh, your uh, all your various. Um, Black cats and lizard vultures and scorpions and all all those lads and ladies, you know, and they're all hunting. They're being hunted to the death by these 
called the arcade. Is yeah, that yeah, exactly. Yeah. Arcade. Rich so, people, yeah. um, rich people in these avatars, essentially. Yeah. This is they a wee control. bit of a. This is a wee bit of a sideline because it follows it follows the given, and the given at the end of issue eighteen sort of died or was killed tragically when he was betrayed by the vulture, you know, and um, and that. So this tells the given story about this kid who uh, you know is he's comical looking he looks like he looks like a monkey and uh, you know in his special features this guy Marty and he's continually having the piss taken out of him and so it's that that background that story of this kid growing up um, you know being bullied uh, against the the main story uh, the hunted story and exactly what what happened and the people who are hunting them, the hunters don't even know who he is, and they're like, "We got one, boys, uh, but which one? Ape man, gorilla man? Uh, uh, hey, guy, I'm the Gibbon. What's a Gibbon? It's a, it's kind of a lesser. It doesn't matter, you know." Uh, and they they chase him and injure him, and again, that's that's set against his memories of being chased by bullies, you know, and climbing up trees, and the only place he ever felt safe was the trees, and it's just it's tragic from the start because you can see that. The given and the, the given has always been a comical character, a mm-hmm. zealous villain, and you know. But you're seeing that this guy's pain, you know, what an abused life. Yeah, and even you know, because you're not as a reader, you never took him seriously. Yeah, yeah. Now exactly. you're, you know, yeah. and that makes it even more poignant. I think, you know, and uh, you're, you know, uh, yeah. So even Spider-Man, whenever he first met the given, didn't take him seriously. <laughs> uh, given wanted to be a partner of Spider-Man's. And Spider-Man was, what are you talking about? That's crazy, you know. And that, and that's what turned him to to being a villain. Was Spider-Man laughing at him whenever he wanted to be a hero, you know? Uh, which is kind of sad. Spider-Man um, villains are always so tragic. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I'd, I'd stuck around the city trying to find him, and once I did, and make him my big offer. We could fight crime together. We could be good guys together. Swing through the city together. Yeah, it didn't go so great. I know I overacted. I just when he started laughing at me, just like everybody else had always done. I felt it doesn't matter. Point is, I blew it, you know. So, uh, so yeah, he's as we go through this story, he's been hunted by he's been hunted by Craven's hunters, and he's he's weakening, and he's, you know, it's it's clearly not going to end well, you know. Um, and we we uh, we then just see him being beaten, being beaten brutally by these hunters, and. And his memory has been beaten by the bullies, you know, and it, uh, it finally comes to the the coup de grace, um, or it seems that way. Uh, we see him uh, in his memory moving in with Princess Python from the Serpent Squad, and it seems his life is sorted, and it was all going quite well. And then Taskmaster Black Ant appeared and captured him and put him in here, and um, you know she had left him. Princess Python had left him, and now he sees her, and he's he's just in bad in a bad bad way. Um, we see the scene where where the Gibbon makes the choice to either go with Spider-Man or go with Vulture and chooses the Vulture and then the Vulture sacrifices him effectively and uh, gutting yeah it's really, really it, it really is a gutting story you know um, you know when he dies he dies in Spidey's arms um, you know it really is uh, well I can I can hear the words in my head but my mouth won't move. Suppose getting shot in the head makes stuff not work anymore. Can't even die right. It's pretty embarrassing. Uh, so there we are. I, I can't talk and he can't figure out what to say. And all that's left is to sit in this stupid silence. 
At least nobody's laughing. Oh, <laughs> it's just yeah. Uh, yeah, beautiful story. Like beautifully tragic. Yeah. Just uh, yeah, really. And that's a tie. A tie in. That's a tie. In. Yeah, like, exactly. So. And it's a tie in that if if you look at the Dot H issues, you see Vulture, you see Lizard, you'd be thinking. Give it. Give it. Probably yeah. Laugh yeah. at it. You would laugh. You would laugh at it. Yeah. So yeah. nice. So yeah, really, really great, really great tie. And the other, the others have been fantastic too. Yeah. But this one was really standout. Another, geez, another Spider-Man issue that just near that had me in tears. You know what I mean? Just tears in your eyes. You know, really, some really great stuff going on at the moment. Yeah. Hunted in general has been very, very good. I think. Um, and it's again another good example, as you say, of a series that the Dolly Two issues are not essential, but because they're all Nick Spencer, they're all written by yeah. him, there's yeah. definite value there. Yeah, absolutely, um, absolutely. So again, yeah, as you s- just like, like War of the Realms. You know, yeah, like really. you can sort of pick and choose. That's the end of Spider-Man Corner. <laughs> I think this will be a new feature, <laughs> certainly at the moment. Well, I'm glad you're getting into you know, no, I'm, a character I'm, who's been my favorite character my whole life. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really, really enjoying it, I have to say. Um, and as I say, we haven't really even discussed Friendly Neighborhood, but we will at length next yep. month, so. Um, yeah, well, what else we got in the Marvel side of things? I don't know. There's that we that we uh, that we Zdarsky title that we're all enjoying. Well, this is um, in terms of exclusive writers to Marvel. I think Zdarsky's my favorite at the moment because, as well as the aforementioned um, Life Story, which might be your title of the year already. I yep, absolutely. Daredevil would be very high on my list already. Um, this is Daredevil number four. Um, for me this was the best issue yet and then issue 5 came out but uh, issue 4 was superb issue 4 was so this was in the aftermath of Daredevil having a fist fight in the street with um, a new detective in town Cole North yep all all coming off the back of of Daredevil having having killed someone killed a a thug yeah accidentally Um, and his guilt over that and he's missing a step and he's essentially only come back to life almost Uh after the whole Man Without Fear arc but he has this fist fight with Cole North he's been handcuffed beaten he's about to be put in the back of a police car and at the end of issue 3 there's automatic gunfire goes off and it turns out the Punisher has come in and helped Daredevil escape so to speak but what you actually find is that um, Frank is taking care of him but the, the reason I love this issue this issue essentially explored the entire dynamic between Frank Castle and Daredevil it was all about Frank Castle saying like you want it both ways you want to beat up thugs you want to do this be seen to be doing good but you'll never take that extra step you know and him saying you know killing's not the right way well I mean you've got that you got that counterpoint there I mean Matt Murdock is a is a lawyer yeah you know what I mean he respects the law he, his life is built on the law you know and then the, the his own dichotomy of being a vigilante but then Punisher being being a law on himself yeah. you know Frank doesn't respect the law you know he respects his war you know and there's no rules there you know yeah. what I mean? so those two are complete complete counterpoints but but they're both vigilantes you know yeah i mean there's there's this uh um thread that runs through the issue as well where punisher has like a low-level thug chained up in his um in this room and he's just you know daredevil's trying to argue that every life has meaning and you know all this kind of stuff and Punisher's actually quite funny he's like you're going to tell me he's the next Tony Stark going to turn his life around and become a doctor Mother Teresa um, yeah it just explores their relationship brilliantly um, I absolutely love this issue mm-hmm. um, 
and I love where the issue ends up going with Daredevil getting the one up on the Punisher and yeah just everything about this Sadarsky run feels fresh and for a character that's been around as long as Daredevil has and has had as many stellar runs as Daredevil has making it feel fresh is no small feat nope definitely not um, and I mean I haven't even mentioned the cover which was is just phenomenal oh, yeah uh-huh. those, you know, those this is have been amazing um, Julian Totino Tedesco who's long standing Marvel cover artist um, that's a fantastic image of uh, the Punisher with with the daredevil on his daredevil chest as opposed chest. to the, the Punisher the skull, skull which then has a great symmetry with the last panel of the book which is daredevil escaping with the Punisher skull on his chest yeah. and that leads to a heartbreaking thing in the next issue um, yeah. as yeah. well with him wearing the yeah, uh, absolutely. the skull yeah. um, but even at this point you know Matt's still not accepting he'd killed someone. Mm. He's even screaming, I didn't kill him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, he's calling Punisher, you know, a serial killer. He doesn't want to be of... the Punisher, he doesn't want to be the yeah. guy who Yeah. Well this is it, even Punisher's like, you know, I really hoped you had changed red, I know you're a killer, I see the glee when you fight. Your effing line is stupid, you've crossed it, I'm sure this ain't the first time ever. You know, I'm a math guy, Red, I take one guy out, then more good guys live. You know, sometimes when you and I butt heads, I think about the fact that you're a good guy, a good guy, but a selfish good guy who just does just enough to make himself feel better. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's just wonderful dialogue. It's interesting that Punisher thinks that way that that he considers himself selfless because he's willing to make the sacrifice. Yeah. Of making of, of ending a life. Whereas, yeah, he's willing to take that on his shoulders. Yeah. Whereas, whereas he sees Daredevil as selfish because he he's just doing enough to make himself feel good but not enough he yeah. feels to make a difference to make a difference that's uh, that's that's real insight into Frank Castle as well you know and, and again I can't praise Zdarsky enough at this point because I primarily used to know Zdarsky from funny titles shall we say things like sex criminals things with tongue in cheek sense of humour but um, was it Friendly Neighbourhood he wrote for a while I started on Friendly Neighbourhood big part Peter Parker Spectacular yes Zdarsky was yeah, right it was, before yeah, it, it, was, it yeah. finished recently yeah um, but yeah that Daredevil run is pretty special so far issue 5 just dropped trade is out I think within the next month or so um, so definitely keep an eye on the store for that isn't it funny how, uh, how Tom Taylor's friendly neighbourhood made us not miss Chip Zdarsky <laughs> <laughs> on Spider-Man <laughs> good point what's next well you have a nice little pattern I mean, we really should have mentioned Uncanny X with, with War, War of the Realms, War of the Realms. Um, we were talking about certain times. Yeah, and I mean, I'm mentioning this not necessarily because of the story or because of the content, but just because to me this is how you do a tie-in mm-hmm. to to an event. Um, so what we've got is we have Uncanny X-Men by you know it's it's a three issue War of the Realms Uncanny X-Men. It's a three issue tie-in to uh, War of the Realms. It's written by Matthew Rosenberg, who is writing Uncanny X-Men and knows the characters. So it ties directly into Uncanny X-Men, which is what he's writing, but also ties into War of the Realms without being a continuation of Uncanny X-Men, because it is a miniseries. Um, it, 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 follows the, it follows the characters, it follows the storyline, so it's not like, it's not like another author is, is taking the team. And yeah. put, you know, so it's, it's just really, it's really, beautifully, really beautifully done. Um, it, it, it dovetails off uh, the current team's mission to try and take out as many threats to mutants as they possibly can before they're made extinct. Uh, it's the same characters: uh, Cyclops, Havoc, Multiple Man, um, 
Wolfsby and Danny Moonstar um, and so forth and so on uh, Mirage, Karma uh, and Chamber but what draws the X-Men into this is what you may not know is that uh, is that Moonstar uh, has always been and remains a Valkyrie she's also in addition to being a mutant she's also a Valkyrie and that's a part of her that was explored uh, years ago during the New Mutants run the original New Mutants run um, but she suddenly due to War of the Realms due to all these Osgardian bits and pieces being on Midgard she suddenly I guess her Valkyrie senses are tingling you know and she uh, she requires um, she requires uh, Mirage no magic to transport her to New York immediately and of course the other X-Men have to follow her to figure out what's going on so um, yeah great story uh, the X-Men taking on in the same way as War of the Realms taking on Dark Elves taking on Trolls taking on Frost Giants um, it's, it's a really good really action packed book um, you know and as I say it just it ties in directly to the series which without, without the Uncanny X-Men series without being of the series mm-hmm. you, as an Uncanny X-Men reader you wouldn't miss it if you weren't reading it because yeah. the Uncanny X-Men yeah. series is ongoing as a War of the Realms reader you wouldn't miss it if you weren't reading it but reading it you're going ah oh, great some of my favourite characters are from the series that I'm reading are doing a thing in War of the Realms awesome I think I'll pick that up you know so <laughs> it's again it's just a really it's a really awesome way of uh, of, of doing a, a tie-in you know next issue Sabretooth is coming Sabretooth being yeah. lined up there so yeah um, well worth well worth picking up I would say if you're enjoying and I mean I'm quite happy to get as much Matthew Rosenberg on X-Men as I can because as we know in the next couple of months he's off it and Hickman is coming Hickman is coming (laughs) uh, which despite the fact I'm I'm really enjoying Rosenberg and X-Men I'm really enjoying what he's done Uh, I really enjoyed Astonishing X-Men Uncanny X-Men I honestly honestly hope um, I, I, I tweeted him at the time saying you definitely need to be doing an X Factor title, you know, bring back X Factor, and he was like, "Thanks," <laughs> you know. So, uh, but yeah, he's very—he's going to be off X Men in the next couple of months as Hickman comes on, which I'm really looking forward to. Power of X and House of X. Yeah. The more we, the more we hear. As um, long as he stays on Punisher as well. Yeah, his Punisher runs pretty, say pretty so. great so far. Yeah. Um, anything else jumping out? Um, I mean, you may as well complete the Sadarsky trifecta there at the bottom with Invaders. Uh, yeah, okay, fair <laughs> enough. That's a good, uh, that's a good, a good link, Roddy. You're uh, fantastic as always. Really enjoying it. Uh, um, I need, might need a refresher on what happens in number four. Number four secret was origin. the secret origin oh, of the Submariner. Yeah, yeah. So we've been building up to the fact we that finally there's, got it. Yeah, there's a, you know. Um, during the darkest hours of World War Two, four heroes banded together as the invaders to battle the Axis powers to the death in the name of freedom. Captain America and Bucky Barnes, Namor the Submariner, Submariner and the original Human Torch, Jim Hammond. The war was a long time ago, but the invaders are still haunted by the ghosts of their past, especially King Namor of Atlantis, uh, who's igniting a new global war between the surface world and the seas his people call home. And where's he doing that? In Jason Arnn's Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> When trying to understand his motives, Captain America and Bucky discovered that Namor plans to build a bombs to specifically target humans. Meanwhile, Jim Hammond's visit to Namor's lost longtime friends, Randall and Nate Peterson, revealed that during a time he was believed to be amnesiac, uh, which 
uh, is featured in Marvels. Mm-hmm. Um, Namor was travelling with the X-Men founder Charles Xavier, but Cap's attempt to follow that thread led to a violent retaliation by Namor and the accidental death of Randall. Devastated by the loss of her father, Nea is ready to come clean about Namor's secrets. So War Ghost Part 4, and we we learn... Um, I guess part of part of what Zdarsky's doing here is trying to explain the flip-flop of Namor between being good guy, bad a guy. good guy and a bad guy. Yeah. Constantly, throughout Marvel history. <laughs> Always. You know, what are you today, Namor? <laughs> you know, <laughs> what side of the bed did you get out of? You know, so we've been trying to... He's, he's trying to explain that, which was... It's been attributed to a, a chemical imbalance and different things, you know. But but this is that that history of of Namor whenever he was amnesiac, whenever he disappeared, you know, between timely comics, mm-hmm. Marvel comics, you know, yeah. Human Torch, and uh, and uh, whenever he appeared in, in Fantastic Four, and uh, it seems that he was travel he was traveling with uh, Professor Xavier, and uh, you know, he was suffering from post traumatic stress disorder. And uh, Xavier was trying to help him, you know, as they travel. There's a, there's a, they're trying to track down mutants because Namor himself is a mutant, um, as well as a, as well as an Atlantean. You know, he's the, you know, he's that hybrid. Um, and they're trying to tra- track down uh, different mutants as as Charles is trying to guess to put together his proto X Men. Yeah. Um, and uh, we've, you know, they're tracking down a. Bear Man of Swan Hills spotted, and they go into Swan Hills, and there's someone hiding up in the trees. We see, <laughs> you know, this this uh, iconic claws. This iconic claws is uh, yes, yeah, uh, Logan's hiding up in the trees, so they don't find him that time around. And Namor's always been fairly short-tempered, um, but uh, but yeah, eventually what what happens is uh, Xavier goes into into Namor's head and, and discovers the, the moment that left him with you know post-traumatic stress disorder the specific moments in the war and that's the death of of his buddy uh, Tommy Machen who uh, who died during the war we saw in the first the first yeah. issue and so what Charles does is he creates a like a palace of the mind in Namor's mind so he can talk to Tommy and try and work through this you know work through the the, the grief and the tragedy um but Namor's mind is is too too powerful and pushes Xavier out, and Xavier never has a chance to to shut this down. You know, to shut down this counselling session that Namor. So Namor has always had Tommy in his head. Mm-hmm. You know, and eventually over the years mm-hmm. that has gotten worse and worse until sort of what we know has happened in here, which you know is this Tommy is driving Namor to to this. You know, so. Uh, so yeah, we see that whole secret history right up until the time years later, Johnny Storm of the Fantastic Four finds him wandering New York. You know, uh, great, great story. Invaders is great. I always, any time Invaders comes out, uh, I always pick it up. You know what I mean? It's been out in various and various forms over the years because I just love those World War Two two heroes. So uh, next issue is World War Namor, as uh, you know, as Namor. Uh, Assembles his bomb and uh, assembles his forces and uh, and so forth and so on. You read this one, Ronnie? Yeah. Very yeah. good. Very good. Um, is it going to be an ongoing? Or I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, I'd say as long I'm as. I'm just thinking, like, where does it end? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I guess. It says issue six is the conclusion to War Ghosts. One. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if War Ghosts is just the name of the first arc or it's just going to be a one and done, as you say. 
That one was missing a wee bit of Bucky too. Yes. Yeah. Bucky was off doing you, something else. Yeah. Um, because so much of this took place in the past and in Namor's head, I guess that was that was the time at which Bucky was on ice as the Winter Soldier. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Cap was probably on ice at that time, yeah, so. Um, it was specifically a Namor and Charles Xavier story. It's a lovely, a lovely cover as well because we see the various, the various forms of Namor throughout history. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then uh, and the various forms of Xavier throughout history, where he looks the same. Yeah, he looks exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I hope it continues. Um, you know, the the art's fantastic. The 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 writing's fantastic. So, yeah, great stuff. Um, fantastic four nines here. Um, Dan Slott's killing it in Fantastic Four, really, really good. It's a it's a great Fantastic Four Doctor Doom Galactus story. Mm-hmm. Remind you of anything? <laughs> <coughs> I need to get back on it before as far as seven. Yeah, yeah, really worth worth mentioning. So the last the last Marvel book that I want to wee yarn about is um, another War of the Realms tie-in, and it's uh, Avengers number eighteen by Jason Aaron and Ed McGuinness, and. Uh, it was a great, uh, a great title. Um, it it links to War of the Realms in a roundabout sort of a way, and it starts. How have you found just very quickly? How have you found these titles that are sort of linked to Venom, um, uh, Avengers? Great, yeah, yeah. really good because I can still read the books that I'm reading, and I'm reading War of the Realms, so I know what's going on in War of the Realms, and you're like, oh, cool. So this is linking into War of the Realms, so yeah. just that you could do without War of the Realms even because it explains sort of what's going on you know um, in the very very early so this was an interesting one um, because it's not about the Avengers at all it's about uh, Squadron Supreme who are now uh, Squadron Supreme of America Uh, yeah so um, yeah uh, it's kind of interesting the, the Avengers have been struggling to keep the peace between several aggressive factions including the Winter Garden, Russia, Namor's Defenders of the Deep. We've just talked about Namor and the Invaders, you know. Uh, but the US government's response to an Avengers team that won't fall into line, uh, maybe just about to accept the de- the, uh, to upset the delicate balance, enter Agent Coulson's Squadron Supreme of America just in time for the Town Realms to break into all-out war. So Squadron Supreme are a really interesting team. Um, Al and I have recently read... Um, Reed, Reed Tucker isn't it the Slugfest, the Slugfest uh, which is 50 years of the, the Marvel versus DC you know and how that but uh, back in the day back in the 70s they were all buddies you know and a lot of the artists and a lot of the writers were working Marvel and DC they were drinking together they were hanging out together they played volleyball together and you know DC's publishers at the time were, were known as the, the conservatives you know they wouldn't move in anything you know and so they kind of the writers and the artists wanted to do a crossover but they had to do it really under the radar so they wanted to do a crossover between the Avengers and uh, the Justice League you know so what they did was effectively the Avengers writers yeah, they hid the crossover they hid the crossover so <laughs> so there was the, the, the Justice League writers effectively wrote a team that was like the Avengers into the Justice League yeah. and the Avengers writers wrote a team that was like the Justice League into Avengers, and that team was the Squadron Supreme. Uh, so the Squadron Supreme consists of Hyperion, who is Superman, Superman you know, and we've got Nighthawk, uh, isn't it? We've got Nighthawk, who is Batman, and we've got 
what do you call her? Um, Zarda, who is who was raised on an island and is super strong and you know that's uh, our Wonder Woman. We've got Stanley Stewart who is uh, our Flash, uh, Joseph Ledger who is our Green Lantern, um, and they are the you know Nighthawk, Power Princess, Hyperion, Doctor Spectrum, and the Blur, you know. <laughs> But it's really so they've been assembled now by Phil Coulson, you know, as as a backup to the Avengers, you know. And they're now just going out there. They're really just really cheeky. They're calling themselves the Squadron Supreme of America. Previously, they were just the Squadron Supreme. They're not they're not messing about. Uh, Phil Coulson has assembled them. Um, they're based in Washington. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, and they owe it to one man, Agent Phil Coulson. This is it. This is why I've been making you work your butts off. The city's gone to hell, and only you can save it. Time for the world. Time to show the world, Squadron, why you're DC's greatest heroes. <laughs> As in Washington, DC, but it's just a cheeky wee, you know, it's just it's a fantastic wee nod. Um, so, as I say, a team that was created, you know, for a secret crossover, for a, as a nod towards the Justice League and... You know, Jason Aaron clearly knows his history, clearly knows what's going on here. You know, he's put them in Washington, D.C., specifically so he can say that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's class. The The story itself is a wee bit of a, it's a wee bit of a slugfest, um, a wee bit of a battle between the Squadron Supreme and uh, and some Frost Giants. But there's a, there's a background growing on here. There seems to be, you know, Phil Coulson seems to have, he seems to be there's a, a story where he's sort of brainwashing them or 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 creating them you know or it's there's a real there's a dark there's a dark side to it um so there is uh you know he seems to be yeah he seems to be deliberately brainwashing them or <coughs> or something along those lines so i don't know if squadron supreme is going to be something that we're going to see a little more of in the future it certainly seems like that. I had a really good. Um, was it Max? Marvel Max. The, yeah. I had uh-huh. a really good Squadron Supreme uh, miniseries. It was fantastic. Whoa. Yeah, that wasn't yesterday. No, two thousands. J. Michael yeah. Straczynski. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Very good. The gentleman who wrote Babylon Five. Uh-huh. But it's, it's series uh, called uh, Rising Stars. Um, yeah, um, but it's kind of interesting. There's a, there's a, I say, there's a real dark twist to it. Um, you know, so that uh, after defeating the, the the invasion of Washington D.C., the Squadron Supreme are ready to to head out and uh, you know and and protect the rest of America. But we've got Phil Coulson then, and he, you know he's talking to someone. So you have your heroes, and you have your war, and yes, you have your life back as well. Uh, is there anything else I can do for you, Agent Coulson? Yes, sir, he says there is. You can raise a glass with me. Here's to the future. And through the glass, we see, um, you know, mm-hmm. Phil Coulson's face reflect, and there's something demonic about what we see through the glass. And as we turn the page for the reveal, um, we see Mephisto raising a glass, the, the Marvel devil really raising a glass. So so Phil has Phil Coulson has, has made a deal with the devil. Um says to be continued so I'm interested to see where where this is going because Avengers 19 follows the Avengers and Avengers Mountain as a direct crossover into War of the Realms so I'll be interested to see where this Squadron Supreme thing is going they never a team that was really 
mad about but until I realised that they were DC analogues and then I was like oh this is interesting <laughs> and how they were created and why they were created so so yeah really interesting uh, funny wee funny wee uh, Avengers Squadron Supreme War of the Realms tie in one shot thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah and does that bring our Marvel section to an end then that's me brings our other <laughs> sections to an end it does indeed just the uh, two and a half hours this time sorry guys we, we tried to do three hours but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, we really don't like comics and so can't talk about talk them about comics. <laughs> it is it is um, but yeah that brings it into the April releases um, yeah we did maybe name check a couple of titles that I already can't wait to talk about next month yeah like Friendly Neighbourhood Spider-Man and so forth um, but yeah I mean a lot of these titles we do try to keep in stock at all times um, again we'll always try and point out the ones where maybe the trades are just around the corner and you know again keep those in stock in the store um, so yeah you enjoy our ramblings hope you enjoyed it anytime you want to pop in the store and chat away to us these guys will probably be there as well yeah we'll be <laughs> we'll be we'll be we'll be close by somewhere there, quite there sure Sam or the Sunflower or the Sunflower <laughs> just promoting the promote local business yeah. <laughs> so yeah unless anyone's anything to add I think we will call it there and you can uh, your, your Facebook and your Twitter and your yeah absolutely I mean as, as ever you know pimp, promote the store as ever you know anyone who listens to this probably knows we're in Smithfield um, unit 17, 18 uh, but yeah as always we're a very big presence on social media you know lots of stuff on Facebook Twitter Instagram um We'd love to know what you're thinking about the podcast, what you're thinking about. The yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it's uh, we we've looked up uh, recently some of the stats on the podcast. And we do know we've got, you know, there's people who listen to it on a regular basis, and yeah, feedback's always good. Yeah, good got some or bad. listeners in Glasgow and some listeners in the states. Yeah, yeah. Hello to you. <laughs> and uh, if you are listening, we'd really appreciate you sharing the podcast with with some buddies and uh, you know yeah. fellow fellow geeks and. Uh, Spreading the word, spreading yeah. the word, and more the merrier. If you're if you're listening on a on a uh, on a platform that allows you to to rate us or subscribe, or subscribe or whatever, then please yeah. please do so. iTunes is really useful for us. Yeah, to do that. So uh, yeah, so please like nothing, and share. Nothing but five stars. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> if you ain't got something nice to say, yeah. don't say anything. <laughs> well, that's a, I guess that's what we were like reviewing titles. <laughs> We well, we've now yeah. thrown in a couple of bad ones. You see, this was the wrong month to say five stars only. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. But yeah, pleasure as always, guys. Yeah, yeah thanks. And for uh, look forward to the next one. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Cheers. Right. See you Take care. Bye. Bye bye.